Outdoors. Just wanted to jump on here. It's uh, it's Sunday afternoon, uh, January 16th, about 2.30 in the afternoon. Kurt and I are set to record today's episode in about 30 minutes. Um, and I just wanted to jump on here uh, real quick and then uh, say something. And then, you know, like I usually do in post-production, I'll splice this in with our episode. I just wanted to let you guys know that... Uh, we're going to try to get through today, and uh, I got high hopes for this episode. We're going to talk a little uh, World Series. World Series episodes seem to be some of our most well-received episode. Cat was Kurt. My phone just vibrated. I texted him said, kick off in 30 minutes, and he gave me a thumbs up. But uh, we're going to talk a little O2 World Series, Giants and Angels, and uh, I don't know how good this is going to come together. Uh, I must... Uh, you know had a little premonition of what was going to happen this week because i had all my notes done and printed off and i gave kurt the copy monday morning or uh yeah monday morning and uh which was good because uh tuesday i contracted covid um you know i dodged it for two years now i'm fully vaxxed minus my booster but uh that's why my voice don't sound the best um I spent the first three or four days this week sleeping 18 hours a day or better. Uh, I was running temperatures in excess of 103 degrees, and uh, they finally broke Friday afternoon. Uh, finally broke and went underneath the 100-degree mark, and now it's finally, you know, I'm, I'm coming through the other side. I got another, you know, day or two left of quarantine before I can go back to work. But uh, just going to say, you know, I always joke that our episodes suck, and sometimes they do, but if they really suck today, I hope you guys look past it. It's just a simple fact of hey i've i have covid and uh, i might not be as enthusiastic as what i normally am but uh we're gonna record that record this remote obviously that a uh, little 50 dollar bta2 me and kurt bought we'd strictly bought it back in october we bought it for the winter because we knew you know me living in a shithole in the holler kurt living in a shithole out in the middle of nowhere it was going to be hard for us to get to each other when winter time came so this is going to be nice, but man, this we've put this thing through its paces lately. We've used it a time or two, or we just it wasn't, you know, in the cards for us to get together or whatever. And now here with COVID, so. Um, but anyways, yeah, I I tested positive, um, dodged the bullet until I couldn't dodge it anymore, I guess. But uh, stay safe out there. If you guys want to get vaxxed and help other people, that's great. I support that. If you guys are not vaxxed and you refuse vaccinations, you don't believe in them, that's great. I support you taking a stand for something you believe in. I personally do not give a shit either way, whether you are vaxxed or not, whether you are pro-vax or anti-vax. Believe in what you want to believe in. Stand for what you want to stand in. But just please remember to take precautions and be safe. That being said, um, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, uh, which now, I mean, looking at my watch, is going to be 20 minutes from now, but after you guys hear this, it will be coming up within about three or four minutes, and this will be the last time, absolutely for sure, you hear our open that we have used the last six or seven months. Uh, Kurt and I will either record remote tonight after this episode, our new open, or we will wait till we get together for our next episode here in a few weeks so regardless guys uh, enjoy the rest of your day i uh, hope you have a good day don't know when you guys will be hearing this it might i might post product this podcast it might go live tonight it might go live tomorrow morning i don't know it just depends on 
I'm still not feeling 100%. But uh, at any rate, I've rambled on four minutes about me having fucking COVID and basically said nothing. I just got in here and be like, hey, guys, if it sucks, and you know, normally they suck. This is why it sucks. Don't Please don't let it suck as much. But all right, guys. I uh, hope you enjoy the O2 World Series. Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, Kurt, you want a hot take? Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great two-strike hitter. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq piss himself. You really think so? It's Shaq, dude. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Fun fact, Kurt. I love deep stats. Good research, bro. (laughs) Word association. Greatest of all time. Tell me how you really feel about pro sports. These contracts are out of control. Some people might not like that. Well, I'm going to pay some people off. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure will. <laughs> You're the baseball guru, though, man. Shout out to my coach, Joe Rodmaker. Well, it is a digital world these days. Yeah, I'm an analog man. Tiger Woods. Mount Rushmore, bro. Coach Bobby Knight. Oh, you misses him, no doubt. Times have changed. But for the better of the worst. Well, that's that's arguable. I'll tell you right now, though, I'm uh, it's modern age. I'm not drug testing for pot anymore in any sport. It's a damn plant. <laughs> they fire and suspend these guys for weed. Ridiculous. I'm a fountain sure of bet. useless pro wrestling. Sure now. bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Sound like Adam Sweet. Sure bet. <laughs> he was a role model for millions. Rest in peace, Mamba. Team Ali. Team Tyson. You know what? Fuck it. You're baseball's new commissioner. I don't want that job. (laughs) Oh, horse shit. Come on, bro. Magic vs. Bird. What a rivalry. Okay, okay. Boost ratings. Ashes in the seat. You know what? Hot take. Tap the mic. He's the best I've ever seen. Nobody compares to him. Look at his legacy. All right, guys, another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards remotely recorded today. Jared Atkins alongside my best damn friend and my co-host, Kurt Kelly. Kurt, what's up? How's it going, brother? Uh, I've been better. Yeah, that's what I heard, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I'm never... Go ahead. That's hard this damn virus would be. Yeah. I'm never one to shy away from uh, what the fuck I got going on. Um, Yeah, I tested positive for COVID Tuesday. And uh, I don't think. Damn if you didn't have it, huh? Yeah, I don't think in 34 years I've ever felt as sick as what I have been. Uh, My God, I was running fevers like I'd said before. yeah, I was running over 103 degree fever. Hell, I had you worried. You thought I was gonna, well, yeah, you know. I mean. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I'll be back to work in a in a in a day or two. I still got a day or two left of uh, quarantine. Um, I don't have many symptoms anymore. My my whole body just aches. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I've been hearing it just kind of symptoms. So uh, your fever broke and everything. Oh right? yeah, finally. Yeah, I'm uh I'm uh cool as a cucumber right on bro so uh to uh put a bow on uh our episode uh, our uh our bingles episode from a couple weeks ago 
are a complete team history, the Bengals. Uh, since we split recorded it over two days, uh, it when it was uploaded, it was four, a four-and-a-half-hour episode. Right. Uh, you know, I never put a timetable on these episodes. You and right. I talk. People seem to listen. And if we get tired of talking, we end it. I, I've never put a timetable on our limit. Right, right. When I seen four and a half hours, I freaked out. Like, who the who the fuck is going to want to listen to this? And to my surprise, that episode's got a lot of downloads. Well, I mean, I don't ha- I don't remember what the what the total was when I looked yesterday, but I mean, it, it's not up there with our most downloaded episodes. I mean, it's also our most recent. So, you know, there's still people. There's but but in out of the last ten episodes we've done. That one's got at least a quarter of the downloads. Yeah. So I mean, it's. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, team history for sure. Uh, shout out to the Bengals. Shout out to uh, the Bengals. That fr- <laughs> oh first god, playoff win in thirty-one years. Hallelujah. So I, I found something funny. Somebody posted a meme on Facebook this morning, and I saved it to my phone, and I was going to text it to you, and then I just got lazy. But it said uh, the Bengals with their first playoff win in 31 years. Text yep. messaging didn't get started till 29 years ago. <laughs> so which means somebody just texted the first Bengals win in history. So I'm, I mean, and it's it's cool. It's yeah. Shout out to shout out to them. I mean, they they deserve it. I mean, they they do. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow is the real deal, folks. I don't know how far they're gonna go. Uh, Big Ben playing in what potentially could be his final postseason unless they get it done. I'd say it's final game. They got the nightcap tonight, so I'll definitely be watching because my big ass don't have to go to work tomorrow. You do. I'll be watching regardless. Unless it's like 40 to nothing at halftime. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to work on your... I can hear your headphones. Yeah, I've still got an echo. I know. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. See, I turned your mic way down. Okay, I got your mic on about a six. Can you? Are you coming? Talk to me. Can you hear me? You muted your mics, what you did. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. I just turned it back on. We'll go with that. All right, I'm sitting yeah. in the basement in the man cave. I got the heater running, you know. COVID and everything got to kind of be spread apart. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Your dad is you, your dad never did get sick or anything? No, uh, he's got it. Does he? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> well, uh, it's pretty contagious, I guess. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah. So, as we say uh, in every episode... Tonight's episode, to the best of our knowledge, all information presented is factual. Any opinion-based parts of this episode, uh, you'll be able to tell as opinionated as Kurt and I are, if these are opinions or whether they're you know factual-based information. And any audio that may be played tonight, music, you know, game audio, whatever, all copyrights go to copyright holders, the artists, the labels, the TV networks, the musician all everything goes to the proper parties we own jack shit so we don't go to jail right Right. and uh so we today's episode is uh kind of cool oh yeah so 
Uh, if you don't count our bonus episodes and you just count our, you know, week in, week out episodes, this is our 20th episode. So I decided we'll go back 20 years and uh, we're going to cover the 2002 World Series. San Francisco Giants and the Anaheim Angels. Los Angeles Angels. Damn good World Series, man. Uh, Our World Series recaps have been some of our most popular and beloved episodes. And each time we do a World Series episode, I always go back and mention the article on ESPN.com wrote by Sam Miller on October 30th, 2020 where he ranks all 116 World Series at the time. Now it's 117. I often look at this list as kind of important World Series information, just a breakdown, to kind of decide where each Fall Classic belongs. Most of the time, you and I agree with the list. Every once in a while, you and I look at the list with just disgust, like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Exactly. So the reason I bring this up is because uh, they rank these World Series based on the following criteria, and I break this down in every World Series episode, and I will. They base it on game leverage index from baseball reference, which measures how close a game is on each play and how likely the next play is to shift each team's chances of winnings. What that basically means is a game that's close for nine innings and is won by a walk-off in the 10th will rank higher than if a team that jumps ahead in the, op- in the first inning and runs away with the game. They rank these on championship leverage index, which is basically the same thing. It just includes how close the series is itself, meaning a seven-game series will rate much higher than a four-game sweep. They rank these on how memorable the series itself was. The 1988 World Series, Kirk mentions all the time, Kirk Gibson. It wasn't very close, but it produces instant memories for one inning alone. Yeah. And then, of course, the last one, they rank on, you know, how significant it was. The latter two are always kind of subjective, so they just rank these based on the first two categories. So, out of the 116 fall classics that had happened at the end of the 2020 season, this World Series came in ranked 22nd overall. Angels over the Giants in seven. They ranked the series leverage at 32nd overall, game leverage 79th overall, for a total overall ranking of 22 out of 116. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you, do you well, feel that's a fair uh, assessment? So I wrote in my notes here, I copied what they said. The, the, the only thing they said, some of these episodes, or some of these you know World Series rankings would get multiple paragraphs. Some would just get a couple of sentences. Miller would write, Only one World Series champion has had, at any point in the series, a lower championship win expectancy than the Angels had late in Game 6. This World Series here, that was was the end of Miller's quote. This is me talking now. This one here is one I tend to disagree with, and I'm not alone in this sentiment, because many baseball fans, players, coaches, front office execs have been vocal about this being one of the better World Series, especially in modern history. If you Google World Series rankings and you bypass this ESPN article, which, again, I look at as the be-all, end-all in this, um, this one falls into the top 50 a lot, top 25 even. 
I remember this one pretty vividly. Uh, my freshman year of high school had just started a few months prior. I was 15 years old, man. Sports was life. Uh, I personally put this World Series in my top 25. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's in there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, for sure. But uh, so I guess we're gonna get into it, and uh, I guess before we start, you want to pay a bill real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let me switch screens, and we'll pay a bill here. Uh, let's let's plug. Let's here we go. Oh damn, that was loud. All right, guys, so check out Glary Guitars on Facebook or at glarymusic.com, G-L-A-R-R-Y. These are uh, very, very reasonable and affordable instruments. Uh, they sell acoustic guitars, electric guitars, basses, fiddles and violins, um, all sorts of accessories, guitar cases, amps, anything you need. Um, I purchased an $80 acoustic a year ago, two of them actually. And uh, they are very loud. I call mine a cannon guitar, and it looks and yes, and it looks and sounds like a three to five hundred dollar guitar. Easy, easy yeah, enough. easy. I had very little setup. I just had to make a couple adjustments to the neck right out of the box. Uh, it come with a gig bag. It's not very. It's not a very good gig bag. I'll say that, but at least it came with one. Uh, an optional pick guard, an extra set of strings. Um, but anyways, I recommend these guitars. If you're if you're looking for a affordable guitar that you're not afraid to 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 get a little dinged up laying around, or you're looking for a starter for your teenager or somebody, so yeah, give them a call at one six zero six four zero four six two eight six. Again, that's Glary Guitars. Check them out at glarymusic.com. On, brother. All right, bro. Are you ready to get into this? Let's get into so it. So I want to say that also, you know, how great it is that we bought this BTA2 to get ready yeah. for winter. And yeah. we haven't even had to use it for winter yet. It's been timing this or you're sick with the flu or I have fucking COVID. So we've, th- we've been putting this little bastard through its paces. <laughs> it's paying itself off. It's it, huh? it, 50 bucks. I think, uh, me, yeah, me, you gave me 25. I put up the other 25. I got it on Amazon and two day shipping. That little son of a bitch has paid itself off. Oh, absolutely. And we haven't really had to use it for weather yet. No, that's the funniest fucking uh, thing. We've had, we've, we've used it once to just kind of shoot the shit and trust, test it out. We used it another night because. Uh, the van broke down. I couldn't get over there. Then we used it because the timing, we just couldn't make it happen on the weekend. So let's just remote, you know, then you, then you get the flu two weeks ago, whatever, three weeks ago. Now I have COVID. Um, but anyways, so, uh, but, but but what's cool is (laughs) for once, you have the entire episode in your hands. Yes, I do. I'm looking at it right now, bro. Uh, 36 pages, almost 16,000 words. You freaked out, and I'm like, you don't have to memorize all this. This is just a guide for you to go through. Yeah, right. I'm following you through here. Yeah, for sure. I've done, I've done this kind of scan through it. It's a lot of information. A lot of information, yes. Okay, so... uh. All right, bro. Air high five. 
Yep. There we go. So let's yep. uh, let's get into it. So the 2002 World Series was um, the ninth, 98th edition of the World Series. Uh, it would go seven games. It featured the Anaheim Angels of the American League against the National League champion San Francisco Giants. The Angels would defeat the Giants in seven games uh, to win their first and to date their only World Series championship. The series would be played from October 19th through the 27th at Pacific Bell Park in San Francisco and Edison International Field of Anaheim. This was the first World Series since the 1995 inception of the wild card in MLB and the last until 2014 in which both wild card teams would vie for the title, which is impressive. Because you have both one seeds in both leagues go out, and you've got two wild card teams facing off for the world championship. That definitely uh, wasn't expected to be that way. No. (laughs) So (laughs) the Angels finished the regular season in second place in the AL West. They defeated the four-time defending AL champion New York Yankees 3-1 to in the best of five ALDS, which we'll cover at length here in a little bit. Um they would defeat the Twins four to one in a in the ALCS to advance to the World Series. The Giants would finish the regular season in second place in the NL West. They defeated the Braves in the NLDS and the Cardinals in the NLCS to advance to the World Series. This would give the Giants their twentieth NL pennant and seventeenth appearance in the Fall Classic but only their third since moving from New York City to San Francisco in 1958. Now, something I found kind of interesting, I thought this was cool as shit, this was the fourth World Series played between two teams from California. Right. So you know what you have the information now, but now since you... Which, by the way, Kurt Kurt was so excited when he found out, I got a printer and a copier (laughs) bundle for Christmas. And I've never seen a 50-something-year-old man get so excited about my Christmas present because, you know, when we, like I always say, when we first started the first few episodes, Kurt was kind of, eh, but then he got more engaged. And now Kurt's always pushing me to get the notes done and everything, and now he's excited. So Kurt had told me at work, he goes, you got a printer now, huh? He goes, that means you could get the notes done a couple days sooner? You know, and print me off a copy, so I'm just not always sitting there staring at you. I got something I can bring to the table. Right. I mean, it, it's going to help. So, sure. so, so I'm giving you the chance to put a little work in because you got the notes in front of you. Can you tell right. me what some of the other World Series between California teams were? Uh, yeah, sure. 1974 World Series saw the Oakland Athletics defeat the Los Angeles Dodgers. The 1988 Series saw the Dodgers getting revenge by defeating the Athletics. In '89. The Giants were defeated by the Athletics. And the latest fall classic that featured teams from the same city or state since 2000 between Crosstown, Rivals, Mets, and Yankees. The two teams set a record for combined most home runs in the World Series, 21. Stood until 2017. Right. The manager of the two clubs, Mike Sosa and the Angels, Dusty Baker of the Giants, were teammates on the Dodgers from 1980 to 1983 and won a World Series in 1981. This was the first World Series to feature opposing we have been teammates on the World Championship team as players. There you go. Look, good look. Hell yeah, look at Kurt go. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm hitting laughter just because it was it was funny. You read it verbatim. But uh, but but honestly, good job. Right, thank you, man. 
Uh, which, by the way, sidebar here, Dusty Baker is, I think, one of the best managers in baseball history. And I know a lot of people don't like Dusty, but uh, I respect Dusty. I have no problem with Dusty Baker as a manager. Um, anyways. I mean, I, he was a great player, too. I mean, holy crap. You're, you you like Dusty Baker, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like Dusty Baker. And I'm a homer. I'm a I'm, I was getting ready to say and, homer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know. All right. So, the 2002 San Francisco Giants season was the 120th in franchise history. They're 45th in San Francisco, and they're third playing at their new stadium, Pacific Bell Park. They would finish the regular season 95 and 66, which put them two and a half games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL West. Uh, so, by virtue of having the best record among second place teams in the NL, they won the NL wild card uh, spot to earn a postseason berth. Excuse me. The 2002 season would be Dusty's 10th season managing the Giants, and ultimately it would become his final as he would skip town for the Cubs in the offseason, which. Didn't pan out either. No. You know what I think of, honestly? if I When I think of Dusty Baker as a manager, as a manager, and this ought to tell you, I don't know why I'm doing this, but so I think of the Giants first because I think ultimately he's the best manager in Giants history. Right. Okay. But when I think of Dusty Baker as a manager, if I can't say the New York Giants, and I don't, and I don't say Houston right now, I think Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Because he, he had a – I'm pretty sure, didn't he have a stop in Cincinnati for a while? Yes, yes, he did. And it, I it, mean, him and Joey Votto and all them guys? Yeah, I think so, and uh, I'm not sure it panned out that great. But uh, the Reds have trouble with pitching staff. Uh, I don't know. They, I don't know. They just can't get anybody out, it seems like. Right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, at, they would only have a handful of acquisitions and departures in the offseason. Um the 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 biggest one that I mean I uh, there was only four of them five of them I've got them uh, typed down here but the two biggest ones that stood out to me was um, Shinjo was traded by the Mets with Delcy Relaford to the Giants for Sean Estes that happened on December sixteenth two thousand one and then on January twenty fifth two thousand two David Bell was traded by the Mariners to the Giants for Relaford and an undisclosed amount of cash. David Bell, that's somebody I've forgotten about. So they're steady third baseman. Yes, hey, uh, solid. That's always the word we like to use. Solid. Yes. Yes. So their opening day starters in the 2002 season would be uh, Jason Schmidt, pitcher. You know who their catcher was, don't you? Benito Santiago. And you know what? That guy's underappreciated. Oh, absolutely. I, I was a fan of his uh, in, you know, junior high and high school. Like, Benito was underappreciated. Yes, he called a great game. Uh, first base was J.T. Snow. Uh, second base, Jeff Kent. Do you know who oh, they had playing could, shortstop? Rich Aurelia. Rich Aurelia. Pretty good combination up the middle. Third base, Pedro Feliz, and uh, I'll let you go ahead and take this. Who who they have in the outfield? Bonds, in left, Shinjo, in center, and Reggie Sanders in right. Reggie Sanders, by the way, 
solid class act too Yes, you know, there's some guys in this sport at the end of the day, as you've mentioned before, you're playing a child's sport for a living, but some, but they're rich. This is their job. Their job is to play a game for a living. And some of these guys, you know, get their egos (laughs) fucked up. Shout out Antonio Brown. (laughs) But, uh, Reggie, Reggie Sanders was a class act. He's what professional baseball players should be. Absolutely. So anyways, uh, uh, let's see what else I got here now. Uh, there would be a few mid-season trades, departures, and acquisitions, as what typically happens during an MLB season. Uh, Matt Kane was drafted by the Giants in the first round, 25th overall of the 2002 draft. He would sign June 26th. Kenny Lofton was traded by the White Sox to the Giants for Felix Diaz. That turned out to be a big trade right there. Yeah, uh, that solidified the Giants' leadoff spot. The next one, by the way, uh, really, um, September 4, thousand two, Bill Moeller was traded by the Cubs with cash to the Giants. Uh, anyways, so so there's that. So so now, uh, as you know, I do. You know, like I said, our our World Series recaps are some of our most beloved episodes. So we've kind of hit a niche here. You know, this podcast, we, we, we're a two-fold podcast. Uh, we do a lot more sports than we do interpersonal things. Uh, and we've kind of hit a niche. Uh, when we do World Series recaps, people really like them. So, so you know, it's kind of going to become our thing now where, where at least once a month or every six weeks or something, we throw a World Series episode at you. I mean, goddamn, there's 117 of them to go through. Right, right. But uh, so, so here we go. So we're going to jump straight into the NLDS between the Giants and the Braves. I know this is a World Series episode, but people like backstories, and me and Kirk got time to fill, so that's what that's yes. that's how we do. Nice to know how they got into the World Series. Yeah. How, how the path, you know, for sure. So uh, the Braves had moved forward uh, in the late 90s, mid-90s. I, I would say mid-90s to late 90s to early 2000s. They had a, a, a just just... They had an era of consistency. I put golden era, which I copied that from one of our sources. Uh, But it ended up with them getting 11 straight division titles from 1991. Uh, The 94 season was the canceled season of baseball. That was the exception that they didn't get it. But it was consistent pitching from uh, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and Kevin Millwood. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, at some point there will be a 1995 Atlanta Braves episode. <laughs> right. Uh, I hate the Braves. I do too. I'm sorry, but I do. Uh, but you picked them to win the World Series, and I didn't. Uh, and uh, we had a little bet about that, and I lost. They were just playing the best baseball at the time, you know. All right, moving on. So, anyways, they 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 had won 100 games over the. For the first time since 99, uh, the Braves would lead the NL in runs allowed. They had a 13.13 ERA in hits allowed. The Giants, this was their third postseason appearance in the past six seasons. A five-game improvement from the year ahead of time was not enough to catch the NL West title, but it was enough for them to loom over the lone wildcard spot. Uh, as for the Giants, Barry Bonds, who had experienced three consecutive losses to the Braves in the NLS from 90 to 92, 
as a left fielder for who? The Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates continued his unprecedented run to start the new millennium. While he had less games played in home runs in the previous year, he managed to hit 46 dingers while drawing a record 198 walks. He would bat a career-high 370 to become the Major League Baseball's most valuable player, which, you know, we'll, you know. Right. I'm right. sure that was chemically induced, but. Oh, the, the, the difference in his body type from Pittsburgh to San Francisco, I mean, holy crap. I mean, it doesn't even look like the same fucking guy, bro. It doesn't. It I doesn't, mean, no. son. Wow. Um, so, anyways, uh, which, by the way, I, I forgot to add this in there. I just seen. I, I just page break the notes here. That would be his fifth MVP as a player and his second of what would become four in a row. Uh, anyways, besides Bonds in the offense, uh, Jeff Kent was hitting three thirteen. Uh, great hitter. I mean, Kirk Ruder and Russ Ortiz would lead the Giants in wins as a pitcher, and Rob Nan would serve as a key starter. Uh, let's see what else we got here. So, game one would go down at Turner Field um, in the NLDS. Let's see. Runs, hits. Uh, San Fran would take game one, I do believe. So, game one was a great little pitching matchup. And I'm uh, Russ Ortiz would face off against Glavin. In the top of the second, Benito Santiago and Reggie Sanders would hit back-to-back one-out singles. JT would come in and hit a two-run double. Then David Bell would single Snow home to make it a 3-0 Giants lead. Glavin would help his own cause by hitting a bases-loaded two-run single to left field that almost tied the game thanks to a, which you don't say these words very often, I'll give credit where the son of a bitch is due, a Barry Bonds error. Didn't happen very often. Not something that happened very often did Barry Bonds make an error. Um... Anyways, uh, Kenny Lofton had an RBI single, and Rich Aurelia had a two-run double to make it a 6-2 Giants lead. Chris Hammond would come in in a sixth inning to relieve Glavin, who at this point, you know, Glavin's a surefire Hall of Famer at the time. Uh, Glavin was a defeated man in game one of the NLDS. Yes, yes. I mean, there ain't no doubt about it. So Hammond would come in. Yeah. Oh, they they beat the hell out of him. Yep. So, after a two-out double and intentional walk, Benito Santiago's double scored both runners. In the bottom of the eighth, Gary Sheffield's homer off Tim Worrell made it 8-3. to three, And with one-on-one out, Santiago dropped a fly ball hit by Javi Lopez, who then homered to make it 8-5. And then in the ninth, the Braves put the tying run at the plate off Rob Nin for Sheffield, but he hit it into a game-ending double. So, game two in Turner Field in Atlanta uh, would see Atlanta bounce back to win 7-3. to three. Uh, Kirk Ruder would face off against Kevin Millwood, who was looking to keep the Braves' hopes alive in the series. Uh, Braves struck first blood. Julio Franco walked with one out, moved to second on a ground out, and scored on a Chipper Jones RBI single. Yes, sir. I liked Chipper Jones when I was a kid. I, I did, too. I did, too. He's about the only brave I really liked. 
Uh, Chipper Jones, RBI single in the first. JT Snow, which, by the way, I think I've got some in the when we get to word association at the end of the episode. I, I got some J, JT Snow was solid during this World Series, which I know we're just in the NLDS right now, but JT Snow was solid. Uh, he could rake. He, I love when you say that he could rake. He could. He could. Yeah, he could. yeah great. Yeah, great hitter. Uh, back back homers by Lopez and Vinny Castilla made it three. Made. I hadn't heard that name for a minute, dude. Vinny Castilla. I didn't even think about him until I started doing the research for this episode. <laughs> so, I forgot all about him, man. Uh, uh, he wasn't a bad ball player. No, no, hell no, he wasn't. So uh, Castilla made it three one. Braves in the bottom half. Mark DeRosa would double and score on Raphael Furcall's RBI single one out later to make it a 4-1 Braves lead. In the fourth, DeRosa followed a leadoff single and walked with a two-run triple to knock Kirk Ruder out of the game. Sorry, Kirk. I mean, it's just the way it goes. DeRosa would then score on a pass ball by Manny Abar to make it 7-1 Braves. The Giants would get Hutch home runs from Rich Aurelia off Millwood in the sixth and Barry Bonds in the ninth off of John Smoltz, but the Braves would win the game seven to three to tie the series. So game three, we're going to we're going to Pacific Bell Park in San Francisco. And okay, so like I said, you know, I'm a high school freshman when this is going on. So I'm 15 years old watching postseason baseball in September and October and shit or October. Sports is life. So, game three of the NLDS. So, Atlanta wins 10-2. to Atlanta had 10 runs off 10 hits. That's impressive. Yes. San Fran only managed two runs off of five hits. At the end of this game three, I was like, well, Atlanta's going to the NLCS. Right. I, 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 I still, to this day, remember where I was at. I was in... The kitchen at the old home place, uh, just watching baseball, talking to my mom. Uh, you know, I was just like, "Hey, this team's gonna win," because you know. <laughs> right. But anyway, so uh, do you know who was on the mound for this game? Game three. Game three. Yep. Uh, been Greg Maddox and losing pitcher Jason Smith. So, in the bottom of the first, Kenny Lofton would hit a leadoff single and scored on Jeff Kent's double to make it 1-0 Giants lead. Okay, that's good, you know. The top of third, Raphael. Furcall. Furcall. <laughs> it's such a great name. It is Furcall. Furcall. He would hit a leadoff triple and scored on a ground out by Julio Franco. The wow. game remained tied until the sixth with one out. Three consecutive walks would end Jason Schmidt's night. Vinny singled in uh, two runs off Manny Abar, and then Keith Lockhart followed with a towering three-run homer to make it 6-1 to Braves. Barry Bonds had a homer in the bottom half to make it 6-2, but then the ninth inning saw the Braves add insurance runs. Two singles and a walk loaded the bases with one out off Tim Worrell. Chipper Jones would then hit an RBI single off Aaron Fultz, who would be relieved by Rob Nin. Andrew Jones is a name Man. we don't think we've ever yeah. mentioned on this podcast before. I, I, could hit. I had his rookie card when I was a young lad. 
not younger than my teenage years watching this, I thought Andrew Jones was going to be the next king of baseball. He come in with a lot of hype, and I'm not saying he didn't live up to the hype. He had a successful career. It just wasn't as big as what they made it out to be. Right, right. But anyways, Andrew Jones would single score two, and then one out later, Lockhart single scored another. Uh, Kevin Grabowski would retire the Giants in order in the bottom of the inning as the Braves' 10-2 win would give them a 2-1 series lead. And my 15-year-old self was going like, well, sorry, Barry Bonds, you steroid-using son of a bitch. Your team is done, <laughs> done, done, done. Yeah. Go shrivel your testicles. That That's right. So, so we go into game four at Pacific Bell, and then – the Giants would come out ahead 8-3, to three, and I'm like, fuck. So now we're tied. We're going to have a deciding game five. So going into game four, Glavlin would step on it on the mound again. This time he would face Livian. Leave on her. That was, Hernandez. Yeah. I would, nah. It was my headphones or yours. Uh, I heard something come through, but I'm not sure which end it was on. Wait. That'd be your end. That's me. Sorry. I got a oh, weird boy. setup tonight. I'm freezing. I'm in the basement. And Okay, anyway, so Livian. I always called him Livian. 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 Hey, Hernandez. Let's call him Hernandez. There you go. I can't remember how to pronounce everybody's Levon? name. Livon. Livon. So Levon Hernandez Levon. was a solid starter for the most. He was, he was solid. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he, he stepped out on the mound for the Giants. Glavin's struggles would continue as he would allow two singles and a walk to load the bases with no outs. In the first, Barry Bonds would hit a sacrifice slot, uh, fly, and Benito Santiago, ground out, scored a run each. Next inning, David Bell would hit a leadoff single, moved to second on a sacrifice bunt, and then scored on Rich Aurelia, Aurelia single. Another single and an intentional walk would load the bases before Santiago walked in to force another run. Aurelia's two-out, three-run homer made it 7-0 in the third inning, knocking Glavin out of the game. Glavin's out after three innings. Uh, This here was pretty much the beginning of the end for Glavin, I think. Yeah. The Braves Braves would get back on the board in the fifth on Rafael Furcal's RBI double with a runner on third, but the Giants would get that run back in the bottom half off Damian Moss on a Santiago RBI double with two on base. The Braves would score two runs in the sixth on Javi Lopez's double and Vinny Castilla Castilla single, but nothing else as the Giants' 8-3 win would force a game five in Atlanta. And, uh, Game so five in Atlanta was uh, a lot of runs going on so far. Yeah, but then you get to the the deciding game, game five, yes. and it was uh, a defense. And here we go. I mean, you've talked about this before. People go, hey, oh, "Defense ain't important in baseball. Defensive battles suck." Well, I mean, I don't know. I hate people that think that. I mean, I just I, I like watching the two to one game just as much as I do a three run homer. You know, all the time. I mean, it's. There's a lot of strategy goes into it. So we, we get to game five, which ultimately the Giants would win. They would score three runs off six hits, but they had two errors in this game. 
where then we would get to Atlanta would score one run off of seven hits. So game five, Russ Ortiz would step out on the mound again. He'd be facing off, I do believe, against Kevin Millwood. Yep, Kevin Millwood. So the Giants would strike first in the second inning. Bonds would hit a leadoff single, or hit a single to lead off the inning. Reggie Sanders would drive him home from second base on a two-out RBI single. The fourth inning on a 3-2 count, Bonds would line drive a ball into left center to make it 2-0. The Braves had a golden opportunity in the fifth inning, having loaded the bases on an error and two walks, but Chipper Jones grounded out. The Braves would be rewarded for patience, though, in the next inning, which started with a single by Andrew Jones and Vinny Castilla to drive Ortiz out of the game. With one out facing Aaron Fultz, Mark DeRosa lined a single to center to score Jones and cut the lead to one, while Fultz was replaced by Felix Rodriguez. He would induce two subsequent outs to end the inning. The Giants would return the favor in the seventh, starting with a double by J.T. Snow, and two walks by Mike Rimlinger to load the bases. With one out, Kenny Lofton would hit a fly ball off Darren Holmes to center to score J.T. Snow. And then in the ninth, with the Braves trailing 3-1, to one, Gary Sheffield and Chipper Jones each came to the plate with two men on to face Rob Nin, representing the NLDS winning run. However, Sheffield would strike out, and then Jones would hit into a double play to end the series. So for the first time since the 1989 NLCS, the Giants had won a postseason series. And then as for Atlanta, this continued a chain of postseason losses that would not subside for the next 18 years. So... That's a good series. They, they estimate that... Uh, not a bad date to office. They estimate that an average... Uh, of 44,077 fans were at each game. So now we're going to jump into the NLCS. And, you know, then that way we'll have the Giants all tidied up right. and then we can move right. over to the Angels. So the 2002 NLCS uh, was played from October 9th to October 14th between. The Central Division champion, St. Louis Cardinals, and the wild card representing the NLS, the San Francisco Giants. This would be a rematch of the 1987 NLCS in which the Cardinals defeated the Giants in seven games. The The Cardinals, by virtue of being a division winner, had the home field advantage. Um, So, here we go. So, game one, obviously at Bush Stadium. Uh, the bats were pretty hot for both teams. Uh, San Fran would win. Uh, they would score nine runs off 11 hits. St. Louis would score six runs off 11 hits. Uh, let's see here. So, okay. So, the Giants would strike first blood in game one off of a Matt Morris with two on via Benito Santiago single to score Kenny Lofton from second. The next inning, Morris struck out the first two batters and then allowed a single to Lofton, who stole second and scored on Rich Aurelia's single. Jeff Kent would single, 
Barry Bonds triple scored two before Bonds scored on Santiago's single. So the bats are hot. Yes. The Cardinals would get on the board at the bottom of the inning off of a Kirk Reuter, uh ground out with runners on second and third, but home runs by Lofton in the third and David Bell in the fifth off Morris would give the Giants a 7-1 to one lead. Albert Pujols <laughs> would hit a two. Was, was this his rookie year? Oh two, yeah. I want to say his rookie year was oh one, but I could oh, be wrong. I, I, I think it, you're probably right. Yeah, I think he might have been. Hilarious. I don't know. I don't know. What a phenom, huh? Well, you got me wondering now. So, <laughs> hey, look at you. Okay. I, I was ill prepared for this, but look, look at you being the the broadcast John. journalist you are. <laughs> John Mattingly or Alfred. Pujols. Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly, yes. Albert Pujols' rookie year. I want to say it was 2001. It was 2001. Thank you, Google. Good job, bro. He played 161 games his rookie season and had a 329 average. What? He played 161 (laughs) games and posted a 329 average with 37 yards. He went yard 37 times. He was the unanimous unanimous 2001 NL Rookie of the Year, and he also had 130 RBIs. Jeez. Wow. <coughs> holy shit. We got to get... Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving. So, yeah. Pujols would hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the fifth off uh, Kirk Reuter. The Giants got those runs back in the sixth, though, on a Santiago home run. Uh, the Cardinals would cut the lead... To nine to five on Miguel Carrio's two-run home run in the bottom of the inning, then made it nine to six on J.D. Drew's Drew. home run in the eighth off Tim Worrell. But then Rob Nin pitched a scoreless ninth for the save as the Giants would go up one zero. Uh, game two uh, would see the Giants win again four to one. Let's see. In game two, the Giants went up 1-0 on Rich Aurelia's home run in the first off of Woody Williams. Woody Williams, yep. His two-run home run in the fifth made it 3-0. Jason Schmidt pitched seven and two-thirds shutout innings before allowing Eduardo Perez's home run in the eighth. The Giants added a run in the ninth on Ramon Martinez, ground out off Jason... Isringhauser. Yep, that was Isringhauser. Uh, anyways, with runners on first and third, with Rob Nin would pitch a scoreless bottom of the inning for a second straight save. The Giants would go up 2-0 as the series headed to San Francisco. Uh, and home field, advantage, or home field advantage don't mean shit that night as we get to game three, which would see St. Louis win 5-4. Uh Game three, the Giants would load the bases in the second inning with no outs off of Chuck Finley, but only scored on Rich Aurelia's sacrifice fly. The Cardinals would respond in the third off Russ Ortiz when runners on second and third, Edgar Renteria Renteria sacrifice fly and Jim Edmonds ground out scored a run each. They added to their lead on home runs by Mike Matheny in the fourth and Edmonds in the fifth. 
but Barry Bonds' three-run home run in the fifth tied the game. In the sixth, Eli Marrero's leadoff home run to Jay... Who the fuck is that? I don't remember that. Wittesick. Jay Wittesick proved to be the game win. I don't remember Jay Wittesick. Uh, Jay Wittesick proved to be the game winner as the Cardinals' 5-4 win would cut the Giants' series lead to 2-1. to one. Game four, they're still in San Francisco. Um, and this would be it. The Cardinals would win, or the Giants would win four to three. Cardinals had 12 hits that night, only yeah, scored three that. runs. Yeah, so they left nine men on base. Yeah, so the Cardinals. And it's, go and ahead. Turn, it looks like the Giants had four hits, but four runs. Yeah, like, yeah. Some di- definitely some dingers there. That's crazy kind of stats, or So the Cardinals would take an early lead off Hernandez, scoring two runs in the first inning on a Jim Edmonds ground out and a single by Tino Martinez. After being held scoreless for five innings, though, the Giants' bats would answer in the sixth when J.T. Snow hit a two-run double to score Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds. In the eighth, Benito Santiago would deliver the key blow for San Francisco with a two-run home run following an intentional walk to Barry Bonds with nobody on base. In the ninth, the Cardinals would threaten against Rob Nin, cutting the deficit to 4-3 to three with a Jim Edmonds single, which put runners at first and third base with one out for Slugger Pujols. However, Nin struck out Pujols and J.D. Drew to give the Giants a 3-1 series advantage. So then in game five, it looks like the Cardinals managed one hit or nine nine hits, one run. San Francisco would manage to put up two runs on seven hits. Uh, and then game five was a pitcher's duel between Matt Morris and Kirk Reuter as the Giants looked for their first pennant since 1989. Fernando Vina started scoring with the seventh inning sacrifice fly, but the Giants responded with a sacrifice fly by Barry Bonds. In the ninth inning, Matt Morris would retire the first two batters before allowing consecutive singles to David Bell and Sean Dunstan. Steve Klein was then brought in to pitch to Kenny Lofton, who had yelled at the Cardinals' dugout earlier after an inside pitch. On the first pitch, Lofton delivered a single to right field, scoring Bell as J.D. Drew's throw was offline, clinching the pennant for the Giants for the first time since 1989. So, I got a little bit of fun fact here for you. A little bit of information. This is also a segue for me to uh, manage a cigarette. I started, uh, I can finally smoke again without feeling like I'm dying. Maybe I should have quit while I was, you know, with the Rona. But, uh, find my smoke. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. So, despite Dusty Baker's San Fr- success in San Francisco, which, by the way, as we're, we're getting ready to wrap up the the NL portion of this here, and we'll have to get over to how the Angels got to the World Series. But uh, to, to to put a bow here on the on the Giants portion of this, uh, Baker had success in San Francisco. There's no denying that. Uh, but he had. Um, which I cover a little bit later on 
Uh, but he had he had a strained relationship with uh, owner Peter McGowan. Uh, you know, even the fact that they got their first pennant in 13 years could not make these two kiss and make up. Uh, they would mutually part ways after the season. Baker would not be out of work long. Uh, he would go on to manage the Cubs for a while. The Cubs would reach the 2003 NLCS, but that's when the team famously fell apart when they were up 3-0. Uh, let's see what else I got here. So he would uh, manage the Reds from 2010 to 2013, the Nationals from 2016 to 2018, and now the Houston Astros the last two years. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals, would, would they'd come out of this okay. They'd be a perennial playoff team until 2016, and they would win two World Series in that time in 2006 and 2011. Um So, let's see what else I got here. The Giants, of course, you know, they would later on, you know, win more World Series championships down the line in 2010, 2012, 2015, 2014. Yeah, so, let's see. Uh... Got a little something in there about Tony LaRusso and Baker, but I'm gonna skip it. So, okay, so let's talk about the uh, Anaheim underdogs. Angels here. They were underdogs, I guess. Well, it, it's no surprise that an AL team had once again dominated the 2002 race with powerful hitting, great defense, and outstanding pitching. It was a surprise, though, that the team that left standing at the end of the marathon was not the Yankees, but instead the Anaheim Angels. Uh, But let's not put the cart before the horse here. Uh, We'll get to all that. Uh, The 2002 season was the 42nd season for the franchise, and it ended with the team's first pennant and their first World Series championship. The Angels finished the regular season 99-63. I'm telling you, man, you win 100 games in a season. That's fucking impressive. That's impressive, yeah. So they, they finished four games behind the Oakland Athletics in the AL West, but they qualified for the first ever wild card, uh, made the postseason for the first time since 86. Uh, let's see here. The Anaheim Angels' focus in the offseason leading up to 2002 was on how to improve the Angels from the 2001 season when they finished 41 games behind the Seattle Mariners. Mm. Because for those that don't remember, uh, and I had briefly forgot about this, that was one of the most dominant regular seasons in baseball. The Mariners had won 116 yes. games that year. So, I think the Griffey Jr. era. That was. They won 116 games that season. The Mariners did and didn't do shit. Yeah. Uh, there's they had a stacked lineup, too. Holy crap. There, there really wasn't a whole bunch of off-season transactions that I can see on here on this list, and I'm looking at the same one. You, There was four of them. Right. The only two that really stood out to me was February 4th of 2002. Eric yep. Abar was signed as a free agent. And February 7th, 2002, Clay Bellinger was signed as a free agent with the Angels. Do you know who Clay Bellinger is the father of? Cody. Cody plays Bellinger. for what team? Uh, Dodgers. Yes, he does. He's your hero. Uh, yeah, well. Cody Cody <laughs> didn't do so hot this season. 
Oh, he struggled. Or, well, I mean, he had some struggles. I mean, it's still better. Okay, so anyways, with the 10-5 win over the Texas Rangers on Monday, September 26, 2002, the Angels clinched their first and only to date Wild card berth. At this time, the Angels will be in the postseason for the first time since 86. Uh, they would enter into the ALDS against the AL East champion, New York Yankees. Uh, you're just like, uh huh. Fucking Yankees. Yeah. They do what the Yankees do. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that. We we have took that phrase and incorporated that for so many things. I that is I think oh, that is yeah. one of my biggest contributions to this podcast was the Yankees do Yankee things and now we've we yes. we've twisted it for every team. What does that mean? <laughs> Yankees do Yankee things or when yes. we twist it for other it, it just means they, they do what they do. They win. They're perennial they win, playoff yes. teams. They win, they win a lot, they win convincingly. I mean, shout out to them. They're a great organization, but I don't have to like them though. <laughs> and I don't even have to go – I don't even have to think what a 15-year-old me addicted to sports was thinking at the time. I'm like, okay, so they're in the postseason first time in, you know, years. So, okay, oh, oh, they're going to play the Yankees in the ALD. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, yeah, they're history. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, this, yeah. This, this is going to be a four-game sweep, three-game sweep, whatever. But you still got to play the game. But you still got to play the game, and that's why it's teach you never underestimate your opponent. Because <laughs> I well. I bet twenty dollars <laughs> that the Yankee, which was it was guaranteed money. Everybody was taking bets. I was like, fuck well, yeah! I lost twenty bucks to like, yeah. You know, I mean, we won't. We shouldn't have been gambling at school. It's, well, you know, boys will be boys. Yes. At least we weren't like shooting up. You know. Or something. Heroin, yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, uh, so the series with the the ALDS would begin October twenty first or October first. Sorry, uh, the Angels would split the first two games at Yankees uh, Stadium. Then they proceeded to win the next two games, uh, which would end New York's bid. At that time, the Yankees had been to four straight World Series. That would stop them from reaching a fifth consecutive World Series. So they need to go there again, by golly. Huh? They haven't been Somebody back. Else yeah. Well, they haven't been back since uh, they beat my team. I put a yeah, curse right. on them. That's what it was. That's right. <laughs> Damn. So the Yankees would take Game One. They were impressive. Eight hits, eight runs. Anaheim would have twelve hits, score five runs. So, let's get into game one here. The Yankees would strike first blood in game one. Jeter would hit a home run off Jared Washburn in the first. But in the top of the third, Darren Erstad would single off Roger Clemens. Alfonso Soriano would mishandle Jorge Posada's throw to second on Erstad's stolen base attempt, which would let him get to third. Tim Salmon. How impressive and how important he was to this Angels team. Tim Salmon would single to tie the game. Jason Giambi's two-run home run in the fourth after Jeter drew a lead walk would put the Yankees up 3-1, to but the Angels would come back, load the bases in the fifth with two outs on two walks and a single before Garrett Anderson would tie the game with a double to the left field. 
The Yankees would regain the lead in the bottom of the inning on Rondell White's home run, but the Angels would come back to tie the score on Troy Glouse, who, by oh, the way, man, Troy, uh, I can't wait till we actually get into the World Series because Troy Glouse was yeah, wow. a fucking vital, vital, vital part of the beast. Angels winning their first and only World Series. Beast. He was a beast. A be- sure. Yeah, a beast. Definite beast. Uh, anyway, so uh, Glau's second home run of the game in the eighth inning off Ramiro Mendoza would put the Angels up 5-4, to four, but in the bottom of the inning, reliever Ben Weber would walk two with two outs. Mike Shosha would then bring in Scott to pitch to Jason Giambi who would tie the game with an RBI single. Sosha then brought in Brandon Donnelly to face Bernie Williams, who would hit a three-run homer to put the Yankees up 8-5. to five. And then the greatest closer in baseball history, and I'll say it every time we yep. cover him, Mariano Rivera would pitch a scoreless top of the ninth for the save to give the Yankees a 1-0 series lead. So, now... The next day, or two days later, I should say. So we're in New York again at the Bronx, Yankee Stadium. Angels would win 8-6. to six. Angels would hit 17 balls. 17 hits. Uh, the Yankees would only have 12 hits. So bats were, bats were going. Oh, yeah. So here we go. The Angels would strike first blood in game two. On Tim Salmon's two-run home in the first inning off the legendary Andy Pettit. Yep. Next inning, Scott Spezio homered with one out off Pettit, who then allowed three consecutive singles, the last of which to Benji Jill scored Scott Wooten. Uh, next inning, Garrett Anderson singled one out, moved to second on a sacrifice fly, and scored on Spezio's single. Jeter's home run in the bottom of the inning off Kevin Apier put the Yankees on the board. Next inning, Juan Rivera's two-out, two-run single cut the Angels' lead down 4-3. to three. In the sixth inning, Alfonso Soriano's two-run home run off Francisco Rodriguez would put the Yankees up 5-4, to four, but then back-to-back home runs by Garrett Anderson and Troy Glaus would uh, lead off the eighth off Orlando Hernandez, put up the Angels 6-5. to five. So, Steve Carsey would relieve Hernandez and allowed two one-out singles to put runners on first and third. Adam Kennedy would draw a sacrifice fly off Mike Stanton to put the Angels up 7-5. to five. And in the ninth, Jeff Weaver allowed two one-out singles before Spezio's double would put the Angels up 8-5. to five. And then in the Mike bottom... Spezio. Mike Spezio. I uh, tell you what, he's pretty clutch. You could say I, I I would use clutch. I think clutch is a good phrase. I'd use clutch. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, wow. So, um, in the bottom of the inning, Troy Percival allowed three singles, the last of which to Jorge Posadas to score Jason Giambi, but earned the save as the Angels tied the series one to one, going back home to Anaheim. So now, game three. Um, the Angels would win 9-6. to six. They would score uh, nine runs off 12 hits. The Yankees would manage six runs off six hits. Um, 
the Yankees would start out loading the bases in the first inning off Ramon Ortiz on a single and two walks before Robin Ventura had a double that scored two and Jorge Posada's sacrifice fly scored another. The Angels would get on the board in the second off Mike Messina when Troy Glass singled and then moved to third on a double and scored on Scott Spezio's ground out. Ortiz in the third allowed a leadoff walk and a subsequent double before Robin Ventura's sacrifice fly put the Yankees up 4-1. to one. Um, After walking Mondozi with two outs, Ortiz was relieved by John Lackey, who we have yet to talk about in this episode. John Lackey, who allowed consecutive RBI singles to Nick Johnson and Juan Rivera. The Angels cut the Yankees' lead to 6-3 to in the bottom of the inning on Tim Salmon's two-run double after David Eckstein and Darren Ernstead singled. Next inning, Adam Kennedy's home run cut the lead 6-4, to and then in the sixth, Jeff Weaver allowed a leadoff single, subsequent walk, and a sacrifice bunt before Kennedy's sacrifice fly made it 6-5 Yankees. <coughs> Next inning, Spezio's two-out single with runners on first and second off Mike Stanton tied the game. Next inning, Kennedy hit a leadoff double and scored on Erstad's one-out double. Steve Carsey relieved Stanton and allowed a home run to Salmon to put the Angels up 9-6. to And then Troy Percival retired the Yankees in order for the ninth as the Angels would take a 2-1 series lead. So, this team's already showing a lot of guts and a lot of moxie oh, yeah. here. I mean, they're down yeah. six, you know, six runs early, and uh, they're already fighting back. So... Popping up or Spezio? Spezio. I mean, and you no know, crap. you keep thinking though at this, it's it's not gonna. This is the fucking Yankees, bro. Right. Like, right, right. They're gonna shut them down. Yeah, they're gonna have a lead, and we know who's coming in. And it's over. <laughs> yeah. So so game four, uh, still here in Anaheim. Uh, the Angels would score nine runs off of 15 hits for the win, whereas the Yankees would score five runs off of 12 hits. So we got Jared Washburn on the mound. New York's facing elimination. They sent David Wells to the mound. They struck first in the second off Jared Washburn on Robin Ventura's RBI double with runners on first and third. But the Angels would tie the game in the second where Sean Wooten scored from third on an error on David Eckstein's ground ground ball. The Yankees regained the lead in the fifth when Juan Rivera reached first on third baseman Troy Glass's error, which he didn't have a lot of. Right. Uh, moved to second on a double and scored on Jeter's sacrifice fly. But then the Angels exploded for eight runs in the bottom of that inning. Sean Wooten's leadoff home run tied the game. Then Anaheim hit five consecutive singles with one out the last three scoring a run each to Chase Wells. Ramiro Mendoza relieved Wells and allowed an RBI single to Wooten and a two-run double to Benji Molina. Jorge Posada's leadoff home run in the sixth off Brandon Donnelly made it 9-3 Angels. The next inning, the Yankees loaded the bases with one out off Francisco Rodriguez but scored just once on a wild pitch. In the ninth, the Yankees hit three consecutive two-out singles, the last of which to Mondozi, scoring Bernie 
Williams before Nick Johnson popped out to end the game in the series. Anaheim's victory secured their place in the ALCS and ended the Yankees' bid for a fifth straight World Series appearance. Good. Good. <laughs> so, uh, average... A lot of hitting going on. Holy crap. Well, I, uh, a box score, just break this down. The Yankees managed 38 hits and only put up 25 runs throughout the ALDS the Angels had 56 hits, put up 31 Ooh. runs. Wow. So, let's let's pay a bill real fast, and then we'll get to the right ALCS, on. and then we can finally get to meet and taters. Right on. So. All right. All right, guys. Uh, Kurt and I, as we love to do, we, we love anything veteran-owned, and we promote the shit out of veteran-owned stuff. So uh, check out the Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's a it's a veteran owned company. Um, check them out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, all sorts of social media, YouTube. Uh, check out their .com. These guys have uh, great products. They have cool swag for men and women to wear. Uh, they have great coffee. Dozens of different types of coffee to try. Uh, they make some tremendous energy drinks. Uh, all sorts of stuff. They have something for everyone. You can check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, they're in, at, at Walmart, your local convenience store, CVS pharmacies, Walgreens, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and as Kurt and I say, we, we support. It you know, oh, doesn't yeah. matter how Absolutely. big the organization is. don't matter if it's small running out of the garage or it's a multi-million dollar conglomerate. Anything that's veteran-owned, we uh, support. Yeah, so, sure. uh, yeah, check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, what, uh, what's the energy drink you re- recommend? I'm going to try some of this. So I like they have a uh, just a it's it's a it's like a triple shot espresso energy drink, which obviously right. my fat ass being diabetic doesn't need. But every once in a while in the morning, I needed something with a little pick me up, and that son of a bitch keeps me wired for hours. Oh yeah, I might have to try it out. So. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get to the the uh, ALCS. So the 2002 ALCS would feature the wild card winner Anaheim Angels and the AL Central champion Minnesota Twins. The series would begin on October 8, 2002, with the Angels splitting the first two games at the Metrodome. The Angels would then go home, where they won three straight to earn their first World Series appearance. Uh, infielder Adam Kennedy would end up becoming the ALCS MVP. So, game one, um, uh, the Twins would win. Game one wasn't a big, a big event. Uh, the Twins would win two to one. Anaheim would only manage four hits, where Minnesota would manage two runs off of five hits. So, uh, Joe Mays goes to the mound for Minnesota in a duel with Kevin Apier. Uh, A.J. Persinski, which is a name we've never mentioned on the show. I've got a couple A.J. Persinski cards somewhere. Great catcher. He would hit a sacrifice fly with runners on first and third to put the Twins out front in the second inning. But in the third, the Angels got back-to-back two-out singles by Adam Kennedy and David Eckstein before shortstop Christian Guzman's error on Darren Arnstad's ground ball tied the game. The Twins would take a one-run lead when Corey Koski doubled in a run 
in the fifth. The three Angels relievers would keep the Twins scoreless the rest of the game. Mays pitched eight innings, and Eddie Gordado got the Twins' save and took a 1-0 lead. Uh, as of 2021, this was also the last postseason game the Twins have won at home field. So game two, uh, Anaheim would win 6-3. to three. They would manage uh, 10 hits, whereas Minnesota would manage 11 hits but come up three runs short. So the Angels took the first lead in the series when Darren Ernstad hit a home run in the first with one out off of Rick Reed. In the second, Troy Glouse would hit a leadoff single, and then Brad Fulmer doubled before Scott Spezio's RBI double made it 2-0 Angels. So two outs later, with Spezio at third and Adam Kennedy at first, Spezio stole home plate while Adam Kennedy tried to steal second. He was caught up in the run down and knocked the ball away from Przinsky, though nobody called <laughs> interference. Adam Kennedy went to the third and would score on David Eckstein's RBI single to make it 4-0 Angels. A two-run homer by Fulmer would give the Angels a six-run lead in the sixth inning, and then in the bottom half, Christian Guzman would hit a leadoff double and score on Corey Koski's single. After David Ortiz struck out, Torrey Hunter doubled before Doug Mikowitz. Two-run single cut the Angels' lead in half. Neither team would score afterward off each other's bullpen, <coughs> and Troy Percival earned the save as the Angels would tie the series one game apiece heading back to Anaheim. So, game three uh, wasn't a real big affair. Uh, Anaheim would win 2-1. to one. They'd manage seven hits, score two runs. Minnesota would manage six hits, score one run. So, Garrett Anderson's start, and th- I mean, this, this game was nothing to write about. Uh, as you can right. see in your notes, I have right. like a half a paragraph. Right. So Garrett Anderson started the scoring by hitting a leadoff home run in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, the Twins' is Eric Milton and the Angels' Jared Washburn would duel for seven innings. The Twins tied the game in the seventh when Moore hit a leadoff single and scored on Jacques Jones' two-out double in the seventh. In the bottom of the eighth, Troy Glass hit the go-ahead home run off J.C. Romero to put the Angels on top two to one. Troy Percival got the save in the ninth, and Francisco Rodriguez got the win in relief of Washburn with a perfect eighth inning. So, all right, let's put you to work for a minute. So, we go to game four. Yes. So, uh, can you give me the can you give me the box score there for game four? Uh, yeah, Anaheim would win this game, seven uh, one. Anaheim had 10 hits, and the Minnesota Twins had 6 hits. And two errors, I noticed here in the box score. Two errors. Yes, and this, we'll see if it played a part in it or not. All yeah. right. So the game remains scoreless in, into the seventh inning of this game as Brad Raddick and John Lackey waged a classic pitcher's duel. But the Angels would finally strike in the bottom of the inning. A single stolen base in combination with an error and a walk uh-huh. put runners on first and third with no outs. Garrett Anderson popped out to third 
Troy Glouse's RBI single would make it 1-0 Anaheim. Radke struck out Brad Fulmer, but Scott Spezio's RBI double made it 2-0 Angels. The next inning, Darren Ernstad singled with one out off of Johan Santana and moved to second on an error and then to third on a ground out by Alex Ocha before scoring on Anderson's single off J.C. Romero. Mike Jackson relieved Romero and allowed a single to Glouse before Fulmer's two-run double made it 5-0 Anaheim. Spezio was then intentionally walked, and Benji Molina's two-run triple made it 7-0 Anaheim. Ben Weber, in the ninth inning, allowed a two-out double to Corey Koski and a subsequent RBI to David Ortiz before striking out Torrey Hunter to end the game and give the Angels a 3-1 series lead. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure Tory Hunter later became an Anaheim Angel yes, in his did. later years. Uh-huh. Him and uh, Pujols formed a little nice little hitting combination there. Oh, yeah, for sure. So here we go. Game five. Would you happen to have the box score for game five? Yes, I do. Anaheim 13, Minnesota 5. 18 hits for Anaheim, but nine for Minnesota. Man, eight, this, is where Adam, this is where Adam Kennedy wraps up the ACL uh, MVP. Uh, MVP, yes. Yeah, he does. He he's yeah. Man, they had 18 there, fucking hits and, in this game. And there's that Scott Spezio again in the box score. I tell you what, underappreciated. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> unsung hero for sure. Yes, yes. Well, I tell you what, you're doing such a good job. I mean. You don't yeah, have to read it away. word for word. Take it. I'll, I'll take it away, son. Game one winner, Joe Mays took the mound to try to send the series back to the Metrodome. He was opposed by Kevin Apier, and the Twins struck first when Corey Koski walked with two outs in the first, moved to second on the wild pitch, and scored on David Ortiz double. The next inning, Dustin Moore doubled with one out and scored on an H.A. Przinski single with Przinski being tagged out at second. But the lead would be cut in half on an Adam Kennedy home run in the third. In the fifth, they lead off homer by Scott Spezio. Huh. And their name just keeps popping up. Man, he is, too. Yeah. Yeah. And the second home run of the day by Kennedy, two batters later, made it 3-2 Angels. In the seventh, the Twins loaded the bases on three straight one-out singles by Doug Minkwitz, Moore, and Przinski off of Brandon Donnelly, who was relieved by Francisco Rodriguez. Rodriguez walked, pinch hitter Bobby Kilty to yep. force in Minkowitz. Threw a wild pitch to Doc Jones to score more and allowed Jones to hit a sacrifice spot to drive in Przinski to put the Twins ahead 5-3. In the bottom of the innings, Scott Spezio and Benji Molina. Benji Molina, was he the catcher? Uh, I think he might have been. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, all right. Hit consecutive leadoff singles off of Johan Santana. Before Kennedy's third home run of the game, put the Angels back in. The, what a game for Kennedy. Can you imagine hitting three he home three, runs? Three home runs. I mean, wow. Like, you're feeling that <laughs> adrenaline and the crowd's feeding up. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Holy crap. There's a Scott Speedy and Benjamin Lee hit consecutive. Yep. No, 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 no. I've lost my place. All right, I can stop. Well, take it up here. So, right uh... LaTroy Hawkins would relieve Santana and allowed three straight singles to David Eckstein, Darren Ernstad, and Tim Salmon to load the bases with no outs. 
J.C. Romero would then relieve Hawkins and walked Garrett Anderson to force in Eckstein. After Troy Glouse struck out, which was baffling to me at the time, uh, Sean Wooten's single scored Ernstad, and then a wild pitch scored Alex Osha, who was pinch running for Salmon. Before Spezio's second single of the inning, <laughs> his second single of the inning, which the inning, means they yeah. went the cycle, yep. scored Wooten to make it 11-5 to Anaheim. Bob Wells relieved Romero and allowed two straight singles to Chone Figgins yep. and Kennedy to reload the bases. Then hit Eckstein with a pitch to force in Spezio before Darren Ernstead's ground out single scored Chone Figgins for the last run of the inning. Ben Weber and Troy Percival pitched a scoreless eighth and ninth, respectively, as the Angels' 13 5 win earned them their first ever AL pennant. Yeah. Applause. Yeah, let's. Yeah. I mean, they literally. Which knocking the cover off the ball. Adam Kennedy, three home runs in that game. I mean, I can't imagine. Like, man, and that's it, a hot bat, son. That's a hot, yeah, hot bat. Sure. And don't forget Scott Spezio. I mean, they had a lot of unsung heroes, I think. I mean, the way if I remember right. Yeah, they did. I mean, everybody was clicking. So, okay. So now... Got a couple things here. So the Angels would then go on to win, as we, you know, we're going to find out. They would go on to win the World Series against the Giants. The Twins, despite having lost the ALCS, would go on to win the AL Central for two more consecutive seasons, although they would lose in the ALDS both years to the Yankees. Within six months, fun fact, Another Anaheim-Minnesota postseason matchup would take place as the Minnesota Wild would face off against the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim in the 2003 Western Conference Final during the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Ducks would sweep the Wild to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in franchise history before losing to the New Jersey Devils. So a little fun fact there. While the Angels and Twins experienced regular season success in the following years, 2002 would mark a serious high point for both franchises. To date, the Angels have not won another World Series or pennant, while the Twins have not won a playoff series since 2002. In 2020, the Twins set a postseason futility mark when they lost their 18th straight postseason game, setting a record for professional sports in North America. So there you go. Right on. We stayed the set. Well, we're getting there. Uh, got a couple things I want to uh, to go over here uh, before we get to meat and taters. Right on. Uh, 2002 was the first season for MLB.TV, which is an extension of MLB.com, which is still around today. It's where you can live stream games and watch past games and things of that nature. And I just put in my notes, it's crazy to think that this was 20 years ago and where we're at now at technology with all forms of streaming and and, and everything, but, you know, back then that was groundbreaking, you know? Oh, yeah. So, uh, on October 9th, 2002, the website Salon.com posted an article written by Joan Walsh, who was a lifelong Bay Area resident, business owner, writer, and a San Francisco Giants fan. I'm okay. Yeah? I'm wrong pipe. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's Kirk, okay. it's Kirk Kelly's over there dying. I'll continue to read that. I just took a drink. Man, and man, wrong pipe. man, I sounded like that this week. Man. I still ain't 100%, man. COVID fucking, COVID took me down, son. <laughs> I had the wrong pipe, man. Ugh. I'm all right. Okay. So, so this article was posted online just after the Giants would beat the Cardinals in game one of the NLCS. She wrote a very in-depth article about the future of the San Francisco Giants and the future of skipper Dusty Baker. She wrote about the very publicized quote-unquote breakup, pre-breakup I have in my notes, between Giants owner at the time, Peter McGowan, and Dusty Baker, and how that affected the team this season, but shall how she had hoped they would work it out since they were deep into the postseason. Um, I didn't put anything quote-wise in here, uh, but it, it's definitely worth checking out if you're a baseball fan because it leaves you thinking, with this being written prior to the World Series, if management would have been all simpatico and the universe was all harmonious and bullshit, would it have made things different with Baker being on the same team <laughs> mentally wise and management wise with his boss McGowan I mean there's merit to it especially with the mental aspect that goes into professional athletes and coaches and, and everything Definitely. so I, I can see Dusty Baker as a player's, as a player's coach I mean, I mean so I'm sure it had an effect now uh, you've got some notes there uh, a November 2nd 2018 article, so just a couple years ago, written by Ryan Kahn for the Armchair Media Network would state the following. It's uh, Can you read that quote to me? Yeah, the Boston Red Sox have dominated the American League since their curse-breaking 2004 World Series. They are five-time AL East, East champions and four-time West World Series champions in that span. But before David Ortiz and Boston dominated the AL a scrappy young AL team on the West Coast was winning their way towards their first and only World Series. All righty. So, the 2002 Anaheim Angels were coming away from 12 consecutive seasons of 85 or less wins and 16 years without a postseason appearance. To put it lightly, the Angels were pathetic. They were a franchise that had three postseason appearances in the last 41 years. Yet, for another reason or another... <coughs> The 2002 Angels decided to win. Not a lot changed between 2001 and 2002. This was not a situation where the Angels added a star player that powered them to new heights. This was the same group of core players who won 75 games, who won 99 the next year. The big additions in the offseason, if anything else, hurt the Angels. Pitchers Aaron Seal and Donnie Wall were signed in the offseason and posted a 4.89 and 6.43 ERA, respectively. This is all from Khan's quotes that uh, the November 2nd, 2018 article Kurt and I just referenced. What I'm reading here now is all still his quote. It's multiple paragraphs. So right. uh, he continues on that saying, Out of the four players the Angels signed, two played in 15 or more games. Other... One of the other signees that was former New York City Yankee, what the fuck, former New York Yankee Clay okay. Ballinger, who is the father of, you know, Cody. He played in two games and had one official at bat and struck out. The final signing was shortstop Eric Ibar, an amateur free agent. Ibar would remain with the Angels 
becoming the starting shortstop from 2006 to 2015, but he would be a minor leaguer until then. Basically, what I'm what I'm putting this in here for, guys, is is this is I'm driving home the thing that this wasn't this was all organic in house. Yes, the yes. the majority of this talent was all homegrown talent. This was all talent that had um, been drafted, come up through the minor league systems. This was all homegrown talent. They didn't go out and and right. sign a hot bat. They didn't go out and get a guy that was out there just fucking lights in, lights out, dealing on the mound for seven, eight innings straight every game. This was homegrown talent. Uh, yeah, Kurt. Which is impressive, impressive, man. Like, uh, like, like, listen to this here. Uh, Benji Molina was their catcher. He signed yep. as a free agent in 93. Scott Spezio, first base, signed as a free agent from Oakland in 2000. Adam Kennedy, second base, traded from the Cardinals in 2000. Troy Glouse, third base, drafted by the Angels, third overall in 97. David Eckstein, shortstop, claimed off Boston's waivers in 2000. Garrett Anderson, left field, drafted by the Angels in the fourth round in 1990. Darren Ernstad, center field, drafted first overall by the Angels in 95. Tim Salmon, right field, drafted by the Angels in the third round in 1989. Brad Fulmer, DH, traded from the Blue Jays to the Angels that season. A lot of home talent there. So, yeah. while the fourth-ranked offense is, get, is what gets remembered from this 2002 team, uh, I want to bring attention to the pitching. As Kurt knows, I like to talk pitching. Oh, yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. likes to see the home run ball and baseball and the long hit, and that's fucking awesome. I do, too. But pitching is what gets me excited. Pitching is what gets me my nut. You know, wins championship, man. pitching that wins defense. fucking championship defense. Yes. So their pitching was just as good. They were the fourth ranked pitching staff with a collective team 3.69 ERA. You know, low ERA is good, but I've always said, and Kirk kind of agrees with me, I believe if as a collective your team are ERA is five or under, you're doing good. Because you're going to have bad days at the office. It's well, a 162 you know, game season. Yes, you know, and the Angels play in the American League where you have the designated hitter. You hate so that, that don't you? You hate yes, the do. DH that, position, don't that, you? That pitcher spot don't come up there, which is usually an out, right? So that helps. Always. You. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. The three point six nine ERA. Jared, uh, sure. Jared Washburn would lead the pitching rotation with a 3.15 ERA in 206 innings. The starting pitching was solid, but their bullpen is what separated the Angels. Percival, Weber, and Donnelly were the first three in the back end of the Halos bullpen. They combined for a 2.21 ERA across 184 fucking innings. Percival served as their primary closer and had 40 saves and a 1.9 ERA, basically solidifying a dominant-ass bullpen. Yeah, that's... To me, that's what... Or, or wait, 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 wait. Remember, remember we made the PETA joke? It's not a bullpen anymore. It's an arm barn. Arm barn. Remember, yes. remember that I sent you that link. It's arm. <laughs> it's it's the arm barn. Arm you barn. can't say bullpen. It's not politically correct. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, basically, Kane would further talk about 
the regular season for both teams and the postseason run for both teams. He'd wrap up his article with the following uh with the following quote I'm going to read here. It says, A team made of mostly homegrown talent would rely on a rookie to start the deciding World Series game for them. 23-year-old John Lackey. And, man, it is hard for me to think of John Lackey as a rookie. Like, yeah, I remember. But yes. you, you just think about what he did later on in life, you yeah. know. Yeah. But anyways, he it's, anyways uh, back to the quote here. He's would rely on a rookie to start the deciding World Series game for them. The then 23-year-old John Lackey went five innings, allowing only one run. Donnelly, Percival, and the young Francisco Rodriguez would finish the rest of the game, helping the Angels maintain a 4-1 lead and win their only World Series. The 2002 Angels were a homegrown team who exceeded expectations in every possible way. Their comeback in six games is legendary, but is not legendary as what the final call of the game, which will will play, you know. Right. So, Kurt, you... uh, you want to hit some yeah. meat and taters? You know I'm always ready for meat and taters. Oh. <laughs> I love meat and taters. <laughs> I think too. I'm going to have macro patties tonight because I'm finally getting my appetite back. Believe it or not, COVID might not be a bad thing. My fat ass didn't eat a whole lot during this uh, during these first four or could, five days of COVID. I'm starting to get a little hungry. Because you wasn't hungry or you just couldn't taste anything? Well, for it? one thing, dude, I was sleeping like 18 to 20 hours a day. Uh-huh. Right. Like, right. you text me to check on me that one day, and I think I text you back at, like, 3 a.m. the next day. Right, so right. I know when you got up, when your alarm went off at 4.30, and you got up that morning, you're like, he texted me at 3 a.m. What the fuck? I texted him a day ago. <laughs> so so oh, I would I wake you. up. I would wake up at, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the fucking morning, and then I'd be up till, like, 6, 7, 8 right. in the morning, and then right back to sleep again. Sleep. Yep. That's why I hear it. it's a lot of that. Uh, makes you sleepy. So tomorrow, my goal is to... uh cause, cause I'll, I, I've talked to, to Tracy and that. I'm uh, Come back Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Tuesday right. will be the earliest. If I'm still kind of in, they're going to hold me out one more day. But Tuesday will be the earliest I can come back. Um, uh, I'm going to try to leave the house tomorrow. I, I've been in quarantine now, you know, since basically right. Tuesday. Right. Um, but I'm still I'm going to have to wear a mask when I come back to work for a week, right. which is part of protocol, which don't bother uh, me. I'll wear a mask. I see us all having to wear a mask. Well, this this new variant going around. But anyways, my goal is to, uh, I think I'm going to finally try to leave the house for the first time in six days. Um, tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to start the disinfecting mode. Um, uh, bed sheets and all my COVID clothes I had and everything. Get that all washed and everything. And uh, But anyways, uh, let's talk some. I'm just glad, you, glad you're feeling better, bro. Well. Not a hundred percent, but I'd say I'm at least sixty, and I'll take sixty over zero anytime. You're gaining. Yeah, I'm gaining. So, all right, so let's get some meat and taters, son. So, uh, game one go went down on October nineteenth, two thousand two, from Edison Field in Anaheim. Uh, First pitches were thrown out by Jackie Autry and Doctor Peggy Wilson. They estimate forty four thousand six hundred and three fans in attendance. Uh, the star singled banner sang by Josh Groban and the little hottie Jessica Simpson would oh, sing God uh, bless America and take me out to the ball game. Uh-huh. Take me out to somewhere. Uh, hey. Yeah, she's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Kurt. Let's, uh, what? <laughs> let, you know, you maybe, said it first. I, I know. 
You got me started now. Oh uh, God, let's just let me uh let's let's be let, Let's let's play. No, let let's <laughs> let's pay a bill real fast. All right, right on. Okay. <laughs> just because we're gonna start getting in the world series, so. Guys, check out Main Street Designs LLC. Uh, they're a small family-owned business here in Dubois County in Jasper, based in Jasper, Indiana. They specialize in laser engraving. They do direct garment printing. They can do vinyl decals. Uh, they can do baby blankets, tumblers, hats, um, personalized items for you or your business. Pretty much make anything you want within reason. They, uh, they're some good people. They have offered numerous times to make a logo for me and Kurt um, at little to no cost or might even be free of charge. I don't remember. I have to check the messages. But they're, they're good people. Uh, I think it's a, really hus- it's, a, it's, it's a husband and wife or a brother and sister run business. I can't remember. Uh, but they're, they're very good at what they do. Yeah, I yeah. show Kurt their yeah. shit. It's on Facebook all the time. Uh, they'll ship all over the U.S. So... Uh, and they're they're very affordable. But anyways, give give these guys a call. Give them a call at 812-661-7765. Or give them a call at 812-661-7488. Again, for all you local people, give them a holler. For our fans that we got strewn out all over the country. If you just like supporting small business, which uh, that's a big thing, Kurt and I, we like to support local, oh, oh support yeah. small business. Give them a call, guys, and look them up on Facebook. That's Main Street Designs LLC. Okay, now that Kurt's done thinking about Jessica Simpson, I'm not done thinking about her yet. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Yeah, here we go. All right, I'm out. Okay. Out. Oh fuck. <laughs> That just threw me for a loop. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Pretty girl. All right, so I'm going to let you take the lead here for game one. I mean, you can either talk it like I do or you can read it. I don't even care. It's only one paragraph, so I'm going to let you take game one here. So game hit me one. with it. Game one, San Francisco 143, Addison International Field of Anaheim. Now Angel Stadium of Anaheim. You take a 1-0 series lead. As he strode into the batter's box to open the second inning, Barry Bonds was finally making his first and only World Series appearance. In his first at bat on a 2-1 pitch from Angel starter Jared Washburn, Bonds smoked a line drive for a home run to right field, which gave the Giants a quick 1-0 lead. Reggie Sanders then followed up that bat with an off-the-field homer late, later in the inning. With the Giants leading 2-1 fifth, Giants batter T.J. Snow, who formerly played the Angels, I didn't know that, hit a two-run shot over the center field wall over Sanders after Sanders singled to give the San Francisco a three-run advantage. Eventual series MVP, Troy Glouse hit two home runs for the Angels, one in the second and another in the sixth off of Giants starter Jason Smith. You know, there was no World Series jitters for Glouse at all no. in this thing, was there? He That's was what's impressive. Out. He was seeing the ball really, 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 really well. <sighs> Holy crap. Adam Kennedy, Adam Kennedy drove in the run with a base hit to six as well to trend the deficit to four to three. However, Schmidt was effective otherwise, along with reliever Felix Rodriguez and closer Rob Mann as they held off the halos the rest of the way. Uh, we got a team with the box score here. All right. You want to hit me with that? Then what do you got? Uh, four three Giants. Okay. Uh, Six hits for the Giants, nine for Anaheim. No errors. 
winning pitcher, Jason Smith, losing pitcher, Washburn, Taper up now. No. Home no. runs. Home runs. Let's hear them. Bond, Sanders, Snow, and Glouse with two. Okay. Good ball game to open up the series with. I mean, I was. I watched every one of them. I, you know, I was like I said, I was a high school freshman. I, I mean, you know, we had two TVs in the house with satellite. One in the living room, one in the spare room. That's where I was. Crept out in the spare room. Remember the old, remember the old beanbag chairs? Yes. My fat yep. ass sprawled out, all fat and gross, in a beanbag chair watching the World Series. Oh man, yeah, that, that's the way to go there, man. So, so all right. Game two would go down on October twentieth, uh, Edison Field again in Anaheim. John Wooden would throw out the first pitch. Huh. Uh, attendance was forty four thousand. Uh, the Star Spangled Banner was be sang by Daniel Rodriguez. God Bless America would be sang by Don Davidson. We want Jessica Simpson or Sandra. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, this one's a little bit. I got a lot of info on Game Two here. Yeah, I just looked at that. Them. I, I better, I better take that one. That's a lot for you to read. Yeah, yeah. So game two was a slugfest that saw the lead fluctuate early between the team. Wildly, I should say. The Angels plated five runs in the first inning by batting around against the Giants' uh, starter, Russ Ortiz. David Eckstein singled to lead off and scored on Darren Ernstad's double. Tim Salmon would single. Garrett Anderson's RBI single made it 2-0 Angels after Troy Glouse flew out. Consecutive RBI singles by Fulmer and Scott Spezio made it 4-0 Angels. Fulmer stole home plate for the Angels' fifth run of the inning. In the second inning, Kevin Apier surrendered. You don't remember that? Huh. Huh. Fulmer stole home. The fifth run in the inning, yeah. Huh. Uh, in the second inning, Kevin Apier surrendered most of the lead by allowing a three-run homer to Sanders, followed by a shot to David Bell. The Angels would answer then with a two-run homer from veteran Tim Salmon to make it 7-0 in the Angels' favor. But Ortiz would not finish the inning as he would be relieved by Chad Zerby, who provided four innings worth of relief. Uh, Apier didn't last much longer than Ortiz, though, as he was pulled in the third and replaced by John Lackey, the Angels' scheduled starter for Game 4 after surrendering a leadoff home run to Jeff Kent. Lackey temporarily quieted the Giants' offense, but then he ran into trouble himself by the time they got to the fifth inning because he would allow a double and an intentional walk. Ben Weber would come in to relieve him then, but allowed a single to Benito Santiago to load the bases. Then a two-run single to J.T. Snow tied the game. And then after Reggie Sanders would strike out, consecutive RBI singles by David Bell and Sean Dunstan would give the Giants a 9-7 lead. So a lot of action going on here. Yeah, for sure. So then the Angels decide to turn to 20-year-old rookie reliever Francisco Rodriguez who answered by shutting down the Giants' offense for the next three innings. He retired nine batters in a row on 25 pitches, which I'd done some digging. 25 of those pitches 
Of those 25, 22 were fucking strikes. That's the shit I'm talking about, dude. I like that kind of research. I don't always get lucky and get deep stats, bro, but... I love good sluts and deep or good stats deep. (laughs) Not safe for work. Anyways, in the the Angels will chip away at their deficit though. In the bottom of the fifth, and this is all in the bottom in in the top of five innings. Like all this shit is going on. Right. Like we're just now to the bottom of the fucking fifth, dude. So in the bottom of the fifth, Glouse and Fulmer hit back-to-back leadoff singles before the former scored on Spezio's sacrifice fly. Next inning, Ernstad would double with two outs. Zerby would be replaced by Jay Wittasek, who walked 10 salmon. Aaron Fultz relieved Wittasek and allowed an RBI single to Anderson to tie the game, but then Salmon was thrown out at the third to end the inning. So then... Tim Salmon comes to the plate, drills a two-run homer with two outs in the eighth inning off Felix Rodriguez, giving Anaheim an 11-9 lead. Closer Troy Percival would retire the first two batters in the ninth after allowing a mammoth shot from Bonds that landed halfway up the right field bleachers. I mean, when I say he went fucking yard, yeah, well, yeah. He, he went played. yard like There's so, a sound that bat makes. Dude, you. I can remember that home run too. Me too. Like yeah. like I'm seeing this, I mean, my god, this was 20 years ago. I was in a freshman. I can just reading this some play stick with you. That home run by Bond. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Power on power. That's <laughs> juiced up power. Come on, let's be realistic yeah, here. Yeah, let's be realistic. Yes. But I mean, regardless, juiced or not, it was still fucking impressive. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, that would retire Benito Santiago to even the series. Bonds became the first player since Ted Simmons in 82 to hit a home run in his first two World Series games, joining Simmons, Dusty Rhodes in the 54 World Series, and Jimmy Fox in the 29 World Series. That feat would later be duplicated by Craig Monroe of the 2006 World Series uh, featuring the Tigers and Cardinals. So then, Giants pitchers failed to strike out a batter for the entire game. The first time this has happened in World Series since Game 7 of the 1960 World Series. Uh, the Angels won despite giving up four home runs to the Giants compared to one by the Angels. So the box score on that game... Uh, the Giants managed uh, 11 runs off of 16 hits with one error while... Oh, no, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. There I had that go. backwards. The Giants would manage uh, 12 hits, yeah. 10 runs off of 12 hits with one error, and the Angels would manage 11 runs off of 16 hits with one error. So... uh yeah, that's 20, what, 28 hits in the game? Uh, 23 run. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I remember right, that game went late to the night. So, Reggie Sanders would go yard in the second inning. David Bell would go yard in the second inning. Jeff Kent would go yard in the third inning. Barry Bonds would go yard in the ninth for San Francisco. And in the Angels, uh, Tim Salmon went yard in the second and the eighth inning. So... Uh, game three 
October 22nd, we're going to Pacific Bell Park. So we're going down to the San Francisco Bay here. Uh, we had three, we had four first pitches thrown out. Uh, Orlando Sepeda, Juan Marshall, William McCovey, and Willie Mays. And just can you tell me who caught Willie Mays' first pitch? Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. 42,000 and some change in attendance. The old uh, Tony Bennett, world-renowned singer, great yep. singer, great guy. Tony, the late Tony. Uh, Tony still with us? I don't know. Don't, don't know for sure. I don't I'm think he say, is. I'm not going to say either way yet. I don't know. But anyways, he, he would uh, sing America the Beautiful, and uh, Val Diamond would sing God Bless America. Um, Let's see how long this one is. Oh, this one's only three. You take the first one, and I'll uh, double. I'll, I'll double over. So, start uh-huh. us out game three here. <clears throat> game three, Anaheim won ten four in the first World Series game at Pacific Bell Park, now Oracle Park. The Angels batted around twice without a home run in either of their four run innings. Huh. They became the first team in World Series history to bat around in consecutive innings. Barry Bonds hit another home run, becoming the first player to home run his first three World Series games. It's impressive. So then the Giants would strike first blood finally on Benito Santiago's bases loaded ground out in the first off Ramon Ortiz. But the Giants starter, Levian Hernandez, walked David Eckstein to lead off the third and then would allow a subsequent double to Darren Ernstead. Well, then Tim Salmon... An error on Tim Salmon's ground ball would allow Eckstein to score. Garrett Anderson flew out. Troy Glass would hit an RBI single, follow, and Scott Spazio would follow with a two-run triple. So the next inning, Anderson's RBI ground out with runners on second and third chased Hernandez. Jay Widisek would enter in relief and walked Glass before allowing RBI singles to Spazio, Adam Kennedy, and Benji Molina, which increased Anaheim's lead Eight to one. Richard Aurelia would hit a one run or one out home run in the fifth for the Giants. After Jeff Kent singled, Bond's home run made it eight to four, but the Giants would not score after that. The Angels added to their lead on Eckstein's RBI single in the sixth off Aaron Fultz and Aaron Stad's bases loaded fielder's choice in the eighth off Scott Erie. Giants public and Dress announcer Rennell Brooks Moon is recognized by the Baseball Hall of Fame as the first female announcer of a championship game in any professional sport for her role in the 2002 World Series. I just thought you'd like this stat. I put it in here. Her scorecard from Game 3 is on display at the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. <coughs> Until 2014, cool. this game was the Giants' only World Series loss at home since Pacific Bell Park opened in 2000. They proceeded to win the final two games in the series, then won four straight home games in their next two World Series appearances in 10 and 12 before finally losing at home in Game 3 in 2014. Uh, you want to give me the Game 3 box score here? Yeah. Anaheim. 10 runs, 16 hits, no errors. San Francisco. Four runs, six hits, and two errors. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, no, Anaheim didn't have a home run in this game. Uh, San Fran put up two. Bonds in the fifth. Rich Aurelia in the fifth. I just happen to be noticing that as you're going through the each game, there's a lot of two out 
hits by the angels. Okay, so break that down for me. Tell everybody what you're driving at here about what that. What I'm driving at is the pitching was not up to par for the Giants. I mean, two 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 outs, you got to get that third out somehow. You got to close out situations. Yes, yes absolutely. Close out innings, and close out situations. There ain't nothing more dangerous than a team that can hit with two outs. Okay. To put to put this in perspective, this is the equivalent of in professional football. You got to get off the field on third down. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. You either good, good, good. De- depending on what you're doing. If you're on offense, you've got to convert third down. If you're on defense, you've got to get off the field on third down. And if you're playing baseball and you got two outs and runners on, you've got to get that out. So game four would be held. October 23rd, 2002, Pacific Bell Park. The first pitch was thrown out by the MasterCard players. Uh, Natalie Cole would sing the Star Spangled Banner. Mickey Thomas would do God Bless America. They estimate the attendance is at 42,703 fans. Uh, Let's see. Oh, this one's one paragraph. I only got a one-paragraph summary here. You want to take game four? Uh, is, yeah, isn't this not? Aren't you? Are are you yeah, excited like to have this. notes? You like this now? Yes, yes, I do like this. Okay, man, I appreciate it, dude. You <laughs> no, do I, job, I do too. I feel like you're seriously invested in this now that you can see because because before, whether we were remote or we were at your house, remote, you couldn't see what I had. I was just you staring just, in your eyes. You were, <laughs> oh man, I wish oh. I had some seventies. Wow, wow, That's some funny right. shit. Okay, all right. All right. Now, let's get on to game okay, four. Okay, g- game four. There's a, it's only a one-paragraph summary here. You hit it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you homer. Oh, man. The angels struck first. In the second off, David Eckstein's bases loaded sacrifice fly. They made it 3-0 next inning. Troy Glass's two-run home run. Off starter Kirk Reuter. The bottom of the fifth, however, Angels started. John Lackey allowed three consecutive leadoff single, the last of which by a Richard Williams scoring Reuter. Jeff Kent sacrifice. I like Jeff Kent, by, I do by too. the way. I do, too. Sacrifice fly cut the Giants' lead to 3-2, and NLCS MVP Benito Santiago tied the game with a single in that so the Angels walked Barry Bonds with a runner on second and two outs. David Bell put the Giants ahead with an RBI single in the bottom of the eighth off of Francisco Rodriguez. The run was unearned. Due to Anaheim's catch with Benji Molina's pass ball during the previous at bat, allowing J.T. Snow to move to his second, Tim Borrell got the win for the Giants. San Francisco earned a 4-3 victory to the series and ensured a return trip to Anaheim. All right, so the box score for that game, which uh, so now we're we're all tied up here. So we're tied two games apiece. So the box score here, uh, San Fran would uh, manage four runs off of 12 hits. Anaheim would only man would only manage uh, three runs off of 10 hits. Uh, let's see here. Um, and Troy Glass would go yard in the third inning for Anaheim. Nobody goes yard for San Francisco. So now game five, the very next day, 
October 24th, 2002. Um, wait a minute. Let me, uh, did I say something stupid? I always say stuff stupid. Uh-huh. Hang on. San Francisco scored a 4-3 victory to tie the series and ensured a return trip yep. to Anaheim. Okay. But they don't uh, go they don't go back to Anaheim. Do they? Because I got it in my note that it's at Pacific Bell Park. Series. Oh, that's right. Series. Yeah. Well, because I okay, anyway. So game five goes down October 24th, 2002 at Pacific Bell Park. Uh, country singer Leanne Rhymes would uh, sing the Star Spangled Banner. Ryan Houston, I do not know who Ryan Houston is. God Me bless either. America. Uh, Gina Moscombe would throw out first pitch. I feel like I've heard that name. I have no idea who that is. <coughs> uh, you know what? Either. It's my show. Right. Well, I mean, it's our show. I say it's my show. Hey, it's most of your show. You do all the leg work. Yeah. I'm just here to sound stupid. <laughs> you have the easiest job. You just watch yes. film. I just want to. I just. I mean, I don't want to hold up and well the show, but this wait. is gonna bug me, so I want to look. I'm go- Gina Moscone. Yeah. Well, you piqued my curiosity. Um. She was mm. uh, just a California Democrat. Oh boy, she's All a right. politician. It's a, it's okay. Yeah. Huh. All right, hang on. I'm now now I'm texting teacher. Remember, I got mad at you yeah. that night. Now I'm texting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had a text an hour ago. Leanne Rhymes, she's easy on the eyes too. There, by by the way. Okay, so anyway, it was about uh, it was it was about the wrestling thing. Did I did I tell you about the wrestling thing? Uh-uh. Oh God. Okay. So sidebar. So we know I got a lot going on, right? Right. My my music, okay. uh, steel toes and scoreboards, which takes precedent over everything. Um, I start a pro wrestling podcast. Me and the guys are having trouble getting together sometimes with our schedule, but it's still out there. So I'm back to being active in Freemasonry again. I started a Freemasonry podcast with a guy in my lodge. So there's that. Uh, and now, <laughs> more things just fall onto me. You have to send me the uh, so so. Working. Well, working good, uh, listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I can. Well, now I've taken on a role as a being a contributor for uh, Bodyslam.net. So the so I've been friends with a guy. I met a guy online in 2004, right? You know, 18 years I've known this guy. We met through uh, fantasy wrestling, which is basically you just create a character and, you know, you write out match results and you script your promos and you they're called role plays. The reason I can bang out 16,000 notes for these episodes is because I used to write two or three times a week. I used to write, you know, five to 7,000 word role plays for my character. Well, the oh, guy that I've met is the one of the guys I met online who lives in North Carolina. He founded Bodyslam.net, which is a, a site. And he, he's built this thing from the ground up for the last nine, ten years. He, uh, 
he reports on a lot of professional wrestling and MMA and boxing news. He goes to events. He gets comp tickets. Uh, so now I've become a contributor for them. I write notes. Uh, I write okay. articles. I review shows. Uh, I'm getting some press passes made. I'm going to be going to events, uh, interviewing talent, uh, local events. And so anyways, so it was just a uh, – he's just like, hey, how you feeling? You you dead yet? If you're not dead, you want to put in some work tonight? <laughs> so anyways. Well, good thing you're not dead, right? Yeah. So anyways, all right, Kurt. So here we go. Uh, so San Francisco took a 16 to four blowout win in a game in which the angels would never lead the most well-known moment in this game occurred in the bottom of the seventh inning when giants first baseman JT snow scored off a Kenny Lofton triple. Uh, what I'm about to read now is a moment that as a father, myself as a father, uh, scares the fuck out of me. I watched this happen. Uh, it, you know, I was a teenager when I, I was 15 years old when I watched it happen. I'm just like, wow, dumb kid. Yeah. So you know where I'm going with this. You've got the yes. notes. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Okay. So, uh, three-year-old Bat Boy Darren Baker, who is the son of Giants manager Danny Dusty Baker, ran to home plate to collect Lofton's bat before the play was completed, and was quickly lifted by the jacket of Snow with one hand as he crossed the plate with David Bell close on his knees. Had J.T. Snow not acted too quickly, Darren would have been seriously, seriously injured in a play-at-home yeah. plate. Like, you're talking a collision at that speed and that force. This is going to break that little boy's legs, and yeah. God only knows what else. He's three years old. You know, Dusty brought him to the games. He'd run out and collect the bats. Yeah. Uh, J.T. Snow was a hero for what he did. Oh, absolutely. Uh just a scary moment that was avoided. Quick thinking. Yeah, quick thinking. Anyways, going back to the game, Giants second baseman Jeff Kent would hit two home runs to break out of a slump, hitting his first home run since game two, driving in four runs. In the bottom of the first inning, the bottom of the first inning, Barry Bonds' double off Jared Washburn with runners on first and second Gave the Giants an early lead. Benito Santiago sacrificed fly, followed by three consecutive walks, made it 3-0 Giants. The next inning, Benito's bases-loaded single scored two, and Reggie Sanders' sacrificed fly scored another. Orlando Palmerero doubled to lead off the top of the fifth and moved to third on David Eckstein's single and scored on Darren Ernstad's sacrifice fly. After 10 salmon singled, um... A wild pitch by starter Jason Schmidt allowed Eckstein to score. After Garrett Anderson was strikeout, Troy Glouse's RBI double cut the Giants' lead 6-3. The Angels cut it 64 in the next inning off Chad Zerbe on Eckstein's ground out with runners on second and third but would not score again. Kent's two-run home run in the bottom half of off of Ben Weber widened the Giants' lead 8-4. Then in the next inning, Kenny Lofton... Two-run triple made it 10-4 Giants. Scott Shields relieved Weber, and after Rich Aurelia struck out, Kent's second home run of the game made it 12-4 Giants. The next inning, Shields would allow consecutive one-out singles to J.T. Snow and David Bell, and then cap, and then an error 
off Shinjo's ground ball would make it 13-4 Giants. After Lofton would ground out, Rich Arulia capped the scoring with a three-run home run. Scott Erie would then retire the Angels in order in the ninth as the Giants were now one win away from a World Series title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. The game, this game shares one peculiar record with Game 2 of the 1960 World Series. The two games share the World Series record for most runs scored by a game-winning team who would go on to lose <laughs> the World Series. Oh, we did. So, uh, the box score, let's see, let's, let's see how brutal this son of a bitch is. So, Anaheim would manage four runs off of ten hits with two errors, while San Francisco Giants would manage 16 runs off of 16 hits. That's impressive error. I mean, I'll... uh strand a runner. Yeah. I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him some credit there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Jeff Kent goes yard in the 6th and 7th inning. Rich Aurelia goes yard in the 8th inning for San Fran. Nobody goes yard for Anaheim. So, don't want to hit that button. Excuse me. All right, Kurt. Whoops. Technical (laughs) difficulties. Please stand by. All right, game six. This is where things go the other way. Yes. Game six, October 26th, Edison Field, Anaheim, California. First pitch thrown out by Rod Carew, 44,000. Do what? Hall of Famer. Dude. Hall of Famer, bro. 44,506 and change. Uh, R&B singer Brian McKnight with single Star Spangled Banner. Uh, and let's go. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, this is a lot to talk about so uh you take that first paragraph there and that little second paragraph and then i'll come in and close it out right on all right let's go game six here we go baby game six the turning point in the series game is game six on the top of the seventh inning the giants led 5-0 but then proceeded to surrender three runs in the bottom of the inning and another three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning and lost the game 6-5 the game was scoreless through the first four innings. In the top of the fifth, San Francisco took the lead. David Bell single with one out. Then Sean Dunstan's home run made it 2-0 Giants. After Kenny Lofton doubled, Francisco Rodriguez relieved Kevin Apier. Lofton stole third. There's that speed that puts pressure on a defense. There you go. And scored on a wild pitch in the top of the sixth. Barry Bonds homered off Rodriguez to make it 4-0, and the Giants added another run in the top of the seventh when Lofton singled and stole second and was driven in by a single by Jeff Kent. So then leading 5-0 with one out in the bottom of the seventh, they're eight outs away from the Giants' first World Series title since moving to San Fran. Giants manager Dusty Baker pulled starting pitcher Russ Ortiz, who had shut out the Angels during the game for setup man Felix Rodriguez. After Ortiz gave up consecutive singles to third baseman Troy Glaus and designated hitter Brad Fulmer. In a widely publicized move, <laughs> Baker gave Ortiz the game ball as he sent him back to the dugout. 
During the pitching change, the Rally Monkey came on the Jumbotron, sending 45,000 yes. Angels fans into Kurt's favorite word, pandemonium. Pandemonium. Angels yes. first baseman Scott Spezio uh-huh. then fouled off a pitch after pitch after pitch. Before I'll bet you he was a good two strike hitter. <laughs> I'll about bet it. He was a great two strike hitter. Absolutely. So, uh, anyways, he, he hit a three run home run that barely cleared the wall in right field. I mean, it was a home run. Right. Barely. Barely. But it's a home run. Well, I mean, the name says it all. The Angels got to be God's favorite team. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's why I can hit the laugh track. Yes, that's right. So Ortiz would be charged with two runs and a no decision, his second of the series. The rally continued in the eighth inning as the Angels center fielder Darren Ernstad hit a leadoff line drive home run, followed by consecutive singles by Tim Salmon and Garrett Anderson. When Bonds misplayed, uh-oh, Anderson's shallow left field bloop single, Chone Figgins, who had pinch run for Salmon, and Anderson took third and second base, respectively, with no outs, two runners in scoring position, and now only a 5-4 to four lead, Baker brought in closer Rob Nin to pitch to Glouse, hoping that Nin could induce a strikeout that might yet preserve the giant slim lead. However, Glouse slugged a double to left center field gap over Bonds' head, to drive in the tying and go-ahead runs, giving Nin a blown save. Nin managed to keep Klaus from scoring, and that was the final score. In the ninth inning, Angels closer Troy Percival struck out Tom Goodwin, induced a foul pop-out from Lofton, and struck out Rich Aurelia to preserve the 6-5 victory in front of the jubilant home crowd. The comeback from a five-run deficit was the largest in World Series history for an elimination game. Great ballgame. So the box score for this game, uh, Anaheim managed six runs off of ten hits, and San Francisco managed five runs off of eight hits. So I say the at-bat there that changed the whole game was Spezio. Spezio going yard in the seventh, and yeah. Okay, so uh, before we get into Game 7, let's uh, pay Bill one more time. Absolutely. So, you know, we got to save our girl for last. Oh, yeah. So, we'll save her for the final one. So, guys, I don't know if you've ever seen my co-host, those that don't know, that listen from around the country, but he is a uh, ruggedly ugly man. But he does have a beautiful, beautiful beard. And for you guys out there that love to take care of your beards, uh, I recommend checking out Beauty and the Beard Co. I need to check them out myself. So check out Beauty and the Beard Co. They are a Marysville, Ohio-based company. Check them out on Facebook. Visit their .com. When you look at them on Facebook, Beauty and the Beard Co. is just C-O. But check them out. They have great swags, uh, soaps, oils, beard kits, the works. Uh, and for our listeners, if you enter our discount code STEELTOES15 at checkout, 
you will have increased savings. And you know, it's worth it to keep that beard looking Viking-esque. <laughs> or beautiful. If you don't want to be beautiful, you don't want to be a Viking, you want to be fabulous. No, I think you, I'll be a Viking. They'll help you make it <laughs> fabulous. But uh, in all seriousness, these are great people. I've talked to them. Uh, that they seem like legit cool people, and I like to look at their stuff on Facebook all the time. And uh, uh, check them out, guys. That's Beauty and the Beard Co. I don't. I have a lot of fun doing these live ad reads. You know, one well, yeah, day we'll be so successful. One day we'll be so successful, we won't even do live ad reads. I'll just already have these preloaded into something. We'll just fucking plug them in. Man, that'd be all right. That'd it? be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. All right. Maybe we'll, we'll get a few more listeners. We can keep doing World Series games. There you go. All right. Let's uh, let's let's get into it. We're still we still got a little bit to go here. Yeah, we got all right, Kurt. Business. Yes, sir. Game seven, the 2002 World Series, October 27th, 2002, Edison Field in Anaheim. First pitch thrown out by Jim Abbott. Attendance was 44,598 fans. Star Spangled Banner sang by Marissa, uh, Melissa Etheridge. God Bless America and Take Me Out to the Ball Game sang by Wayne Brady. Brady. Wait a All right, so Game Seven proved to be anticlimactic after the drama of Game Six. The Giants scored the first run in the top of the second inning when Reggie Sanders would hit a sacrifice fly to score Benito Santiago from third. But the Angels responded with a run-scoring double from catcher Benji Molina that scored Scott Spezio from first after he had walked with two outs. A three-run double to right field from left fielder Garrett Anderson pushed the lead to 4-1 to and gave San Francisco starter Hernandez the loss. Hernandez was yanked following Anderson's double, and Chad Zerbe got out of the nightmarish inning. Zerbe, Kirk Ruder, and Tim Worrell held the Angels scoreless, but it was not enough. Rookie starting pitcher John Lackey maintained that lead through five innings and turned the game over to the strong Angels bullpen. In the ninth inning, closer Troy Percival provided some tense moments as he opened the inning by putting two Giants players on base with only one out. But Shinjo, the first Japanese-born player in a World Series game, struck out swinging and Kenny Lofton, also representing the tying run, flied out to Darren and Ernstead in right center field to end the series. The Angels won Game 7 4-1 to claim their franchise's first and only World Series championship to date. John Lackey became the first rookie pitcher to win a World Series Game 7 since 1909. In Game 7, three rookie pitchers, John Lackey, Brandon Donnelly, and Francisco Rodriguez combined to throw eight innings while giving up only one earned run. The Angels World Series... Uh, hold on. The Angels won the World Series despite scoring fewer runs than the Giants. The Angels lost the first game in all three rounds of the playoffs, yet rebounded to win each time. They were the first and today only team to do this since the new postseason format was created in 1994. Until 2017, this was the last time a franchise would win its first World Series championship. It was also the second year in a row that that feat had been accomplished as the 2001 Diamondbacks would beat the New York Yankees. Um... 
Let's see. The Angels became the first AL champion team not representing the AL East Division to win the World Series since the Twins did it in 91. The Angels were also the first American League wildcard winner to win the World Series. With this win, the Angels got rid of the supposed curse on their heads stemming from the Anaheim Stadium being bet on ancient burial grounds. Mm. Box score. San Francisco manages one run on six hits. Anaheim manages five runs on four hits. And let's just see if I can find the call here just because I want to play it. Yeah, absolutely. Angels World Series call. Okay. Shout out Major League Baseball. See if I can play it here. Gotta love commercials. Shout out Major League Baseball. We do not own the rights to this. This is all your stuff here. So here we go. If Kenny Lofton gets the ball down, he can pull it. That's his long ball. Down and in. Driven into right center field. First down says he has it. The Angels world champions. Pandemonium right now, dude. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Y'all see this stadium. Rocking. They shoot a look at Baker and he's just disgusted. <laughs> well. Bonds looks dejected. Looks like he's ready to be injected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that stadium is loud. Loud, yeah, for sure. Fireworks going off, confetti. I thought Joe Buck would have another call here, but he hasn't. Well, the crowd saying it all. Okay. That's enough of that. We got more work to do. So, would you like some stats, I guess, huh? I, I was just sitting here looking through these. Well, you I mean, you got some. Um, I'm just looking at notable. Notable ones. That's kind of what I always put in the notes. Uh, I mean, I put them all in there. But uh, some of the bigger ones, uh, World Series stats. Uh, Benji Hill. What was his batting average in the World Series? I think 500, 800, 800. 800, yeah. yeah. Uh, five at-bats and four hits. Garrett Anderson hit a 281. Um, yeah, had several at-bats. Eckstein was hitting 310. Um, Klaus? Klaus was hitting 385. Yeah. Uh, Adam Kennedy was hitting 280. Benji Molina was hitting 286. Uh, the team average was 310. 310. That's for it to get her done. Yeah, that's that's. Now you look at the Giants. Uh, Aurelia was hitting 250. Bonds was hitting 471. Juiced up. Juiced up. Juiced, yep. David Bell was hitting 304. Uh, Kenny Lofton was hitting 290, just under 300. And the rest is just pretty much new. 
Yeah, uh, they were hitting 281 as a team. The pitching statistics is something I wanted to point out. Uh, John Lackey had a 4.38 ERA. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez, the rookie, had a 208 ERA. Uh, Kevin Apier got dinged around bad. He had 11 yeah. ERA. Uh, a 16-4 game. Yeah. As a, to- as a team total, though, the Angels would have a 5.75 ERA. Uh, for the Giants, um, the only one that was really dealing halfway de- decent, Kirk Reuter had a 270 ERA. Aaron Foltz had a 386. Uh, Tim Morrell had a 318. Their team ERA total, the Giants pitching was uh, 460. They just their pitching wasn't there. No, not to not to the links that the other one was. Right. So. Uh, so now here we go. So uh, got some. Uh, I don't know. As I always call this, miscellaneous. Is this miscellaneous. Yeah, random stats and info, tying up some loose ends, and eventually we'll get to Kurt's favorite part, which is word association. <laughs> um, the 2002 World Series against the Angels, the Giants were eight outs away from winning the World Series in Game Six. It just didn't happen. I love to bring that up anytime I can. Yeah. I just, you yeah. know. It, I'm not a giant fan either. It didn't happen. I mean, it just it didn't happen. <clears throat> right. Uh, the Angels and Giants combined for 85 runs over the course of the series. The largest combined run total for both teams in World Series history. Uh, this remains the most recent World Series that was played entirely within one state. Uh, there would not be another postseason matchup between two California teams until the 2020 NLDS between the Dodgers and the Padres, which took place at a neutral site due to COVID-19, which I have. Fuck you, COVID. Uh, yeah, no shit. This was the last World Series where home field advantage would alternate between leagues each year. Uh, so before the start of the two... Oh, damn it. One click too many. So before the start of the 2003 season, the Walt Disney Company sold the Angels for $180 million to businessman Art Marino. Nevertheless, the 2002... That's a lot of scratch. That's a lot of scratch. (laughs) Uh, Nevertheless, the 2002 World Series began the most successful era in Angels franchise history, making six postseason appearances from 2002 to 2009. Before 2002, they had been to the postseason three times in franchise history in 79, 82, and 86. They advanced to the ALCS in 2005 and 2009, but lost those series uh, respectively to the White Sox and the Yankees, each while en route to their own World Series championships. The Angels were the most recent team to win the championship in its first World Series appearance until the Nationals did it in 2019. Uh, between 2002 and 2019, all first-time World Series participants would lose the Astros in 05, Rockies in 07, Tampa Bay Rays in 08, and Rangers in 2010. The Angels would sparingly use the Rally Monkey mascot after the 2002 World Series and unofficially retired it after the 2009 postseason. Game seven of the World Series would be Dusty Baker's final as a manager of the Giants as he left in the offseason to take the position with the club with the Chicago Cubs. 
The Giants would return to the postseason the following year under new manager Felipe Alou with a 100-win season, the first time in 10 years they'd win 100 games. But they would lose in the NLDS to the Florida Marlins, a wild-card team that would later go on to win the World Series against the New York Yankees. Josh Beckett, Josh Beckett. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I got some. Rodriguez. That's right. Um, skipping down a little bit here. Uh, so this is just more talking about. Uh, I think I got a little bit about Bonds here. Uh, Barry Bonds would break Hank Aaron's all-time home run record in 2007. Bonds also won two more NL MVPs in 03 and 04 extending his record for most MVP awards to seven. Bonds would not play another Major League game after the 07 season. He retired as one of the greatest players in baseball history to never win a championship, along with Ted Williams and Ty Cobb. Bonds' last few seasons and his postseason and his post-playing career would fall under scrutiny to performance-enhancing drug allegations. As of 2021, he has still not made the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh-oh. Uh, what else we got? So I got something here. Uh, by the way, like I talked about earlier with MLB TV, uh, Fox's telecast this World Series would mark the first time the World Series was telecast in HD. So HD was coming out around this time. Right. So there's that. Uh did you know the first pitch tossed before game one was actually thrown in space? Did not know that. Did not know that? No. So I got a big press release junket in here from October 18th uh, where NASA threw the first pitch in space while the astronauts up there in the space station and everything. And I'm not going to read it, but for those of you that don't believe me, actually Google it. The astronauts and NASA threw the first pitch before the World Series, and they did it in outer fucking space. That's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you throw a, if you're actually outside of the shuttle, you're not in the station, and you throw the ball, it's never coming back. Right. It was probably going it, to it today. It's, it's never, it's never coming back. Right. Um. That's, I guess so, maybe some alien might catch it and throw it back. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, it, it was a publicity stunt, press junket. Uh, yeah, so that that was pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm just reading over here. Yeah, okay. It's a lot a lot of publicity stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So here here's some here's some deep stats for you, which you kinda I kinda I kind of glazed over this just briefly a second ago. Uh, game six showed how important the bullpen is in a World Series, as it's long since been argued that if the Giants relievers had held the Angels and they actually had a bullpen, it would have been the World Series champions, Giants, and not the World Series champion, Anaheim Angels. It was the rally monkey. We'll get to the rally monkey. Don't beat me to it here. <laughs> So, okay. So, uh, this was the last series to be played in a full seven games until 2011, which is going to be a World Series Kurt and I eventually cover. We keep talking about it. For those that don't remember, 2011 was the badass seven game series between 
the Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. Uh, one of the top ten greatest World Series of all time, hand down. David uh, Freeze, baby. Yes. Yeah, what a clutch performance. Ron Washington. He was skipper. That, he was skipper, could, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of that. Remember we talked about that. I couldn't think of who the skipper was. It wasn't Ned Yost, wasn't it? Ron Washington. It was Ron Washington. Yes. Who the fuck yes. was Ned Yost, the skipper of in that era? Um, he was a brewer. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like googling that one. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Anyways, uh, so the first decade of the two thousands was truly something special for the fall classic. I said this because I briefly touched over this earlier. Five teams made their first World Series appearances. The Diamondbacks in 2001 win. Angels in 2002 win. Astros in 2005 loss. Colorado Rockies in 2007 loss. Tampa Bay Rays in 2008 loss. Fuck you to my Phillies. Oh. In this era, the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Chicago White Sox would all end some serious extended playoff droughts in the 10 world series we had from 2000 to 2009 14 separate teams would make a world series appearance one team shy of half major league baseball a lot of parody uh this this here i mean i'm gonna go ahead and hit this now um you're gonna be like why are you hitting this In the days following the San Francisco Giants World Series loss, a little fun was had in some news articles and some opinion editorials. On November 3rd, 2002, the website The Biz Journals would post a tongue-in-cheek article written by Steve Sminovich entitled, San Francisco Giants Go to Heaven. It featured a World Series Game 8, giving the Giants a chance to tie the game at four each, forcing a Game 9. The article is hilarious. Uh, and infor- unfortunately, you guys just Google it. I mean, if it, it's hilarious. Unfortunately, a second article was never written, so the outcome for the first World Series Game 9 will never be known. Uh, it should be noted, though, that the author of this article was a tremendous San Francisco Giants fan. I think that goes without saying. Yeah. So, the rally monkey. Yes. (laughs) So, Kurt's like, what's the rally monkey? Uh, I know what it is. (laughs) June 6, 2000, it it debuted on the big screen as the Angels were ironically playing the Giants at the time. Uh, They were down 5-4 to in the ninth inning. They uh, took a clip of the monkey jumping around from Jim Carrey's 1994 Ace Ventura. (laughs) With, and superimposed the words rally monkey on it. Uh, then it, it just grew so much that the team hired a, a white monkey named Katie, who is famous for playing the monkey Marcel on the television sitcom Friends. So she would bounce around to House of Pain's song, Jump Around, Jump Around, and hold a sign that said rally time. So that that's the legend of the rally monkey is dumb as uh, uh yeah I remember I remember so so uh as I said earlier Sam Miller's infamous 2020 ranking 116 at the time 117 now this one was ranked 22nd overall uh I I put this one in my top 
25. So I'm, I still think it probably could go a little bit higher, maybe into the teens. But I'm, yeah. I'm satisfied it's not ranked somewhere like fucking 90th or something. Well, yeah, I agree. So totally. <clears throat> all right, Kurt. So here comes your favorite part. As you can see in front of you, we have a lot of word association. Yeah. Oh boy. So I'm gonna really because I got all excited. I'm gonna put you through the fucking ringer. <laughs> so I'm gonna put you through the ringer, and then now you don't have to answer me, or you don't have to ask me all these. But now, because you're always like, man, you know, you need to be part of word association too. Yeah. So I'll just let you pick out some random ones. And uh, you can ask me after I run okay. you through, but I'm going to put you through the ringer and make you do them all because I put oh, a lot of please. I put a lot of work into this. Okay, fair enough. And think about this: I got all these notes done and got them printed off and got them to work the day before, and then I get COVID. So let's just be thankful that I got these to you the day before. You know, right? Right. So, okay, word association: Barry Bonds. Oh, steroids. Ooh. Uh, Troy Glouse batting 385. Impressive. Angels winning with homegrown talent. That's impressive also. I like you impressive. The Giants offense only batting 281. Wah, wah, wah. JT Snow, 11 home runs, 407 average for the Giants. Or maybe that was 11 hits. I don't remember. Yeah, 11 hits. 11 hit. Solid. Solid. Angels yeah. batting 310. Impressive. Kevin APR is 11.37 ERA and two starts for Anaheim. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, what do you say? And he wasn't that bad a pitcher. No, but, man, he got – you know, the Giants pitching sucked in the World Series, but their bats was what kept him – and they, he, they lit up some of these Angels pitchers now. Yes. I mean, holy crap. Jared Washburn – Nine three one ERA and two starts for Anaheim. He was their number uh, one guy out the bullpen. He was their number one starter. Yeah, rough, rough, rough. Rough way to go. Yeah, for sure. Angels team ERA of five seven five. I'm just uh, unexpected. I think unexpected, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I figured they'd do better than that. They ain't won the World Series. I guess that's all that matters. That kind of seems high, don't it? A little bit. It sure does. I mean, all right. All right. So, um, Levian Hernandez, 14.29 ERA and two starts for San Fran. Yuck. 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 Kirk Ruder, 270 ERA in two games, one start for San Fran. Respectable. Giants ERA team average four sixty five. You know it's respectable, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, comparing that to the Angels, it just don't. It seems a little bit off. I think. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, boy. Um. Okay, this I one myself, I screwed. Huh? I hear myself echoing. That's okay. You know, let, me, let me adjust here. Let me adjust. How's that? Uh, there you go. Okay. No, I, I still hear it, but it ain't as bad. Okay. So this one I kind of flubbed up, so I'm going to switch the question around. 
Giants pitching. Giants pitching? Yeah. It wasn't very clutch. Dusty Baker. Uh, good manager. Yeah, tough break. Do the Giants win if Baker and McGowan are on the same page? No. No. Uh-uh. Mike, uh-uh. Mike Sosha. Uh, solid coach. Barry Bonds for the Hall of Fame. No. Will he eventually get in? Yes. The Rally Monkey. Kind of silly. 2002 but, Angels. Uh, persevering. Ooh. I like that one. 2002 Giants. Uh, I'd say it was a letdown. I would agree. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Sam Miller's 22nd overall ranking of this fall classic. Fair, I guess. Fair. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I think he could go the other way a little bit, but. Okay. We're, we're rounding. We're rounding third base now. Yeah, I'm leaking oil. I'm running out of air. <laughs> Why did the Angels never make it back? I think it has a lot to do with their management. Okay. Giants three World Series in five years between 2010 and 2015. Impressive. I'd say it's impressive. The rookie Francisco Rodriguez pitching. Man, he can throw hard. 2002 World Series. Classic. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want a couple. All right. Fucking throw me out a few of them. I don't care. However many you want. You want two? Want 12? I don't give a fuck. Barry Bonds. Um, Talented with an Arisk. Yes. I, I because yeah. the juicing. Yes. Okay. Hit me with another one. Pick one random. I don't care. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard a weird noise outside or something. Squirrel. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> the, uh, Angels winning with homegrown talent. That's how you build a championship team. Yes. That's absolutely. that's my that's what comes to mind. That's how you build a championship team, homegrown talent. Yeah, I agree. I, I like. I definitely respect the teams that go to the homegrown talent for sure. Okay. Uh, here. However many you want to give me, you just tell me when I'll you're done. You I'll give you a couple more. Okay. Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha, class act. Absolutely. That's what comes Absolutely. to mind, class act. Does Giants win if Baker and management were on the same page? No. I agree. I agree. Uh, I have a couple more here. Barry Bonds for a Hall of Fame. For the Hall of Fame, my vote is no. Agreed. Will you eventually get in? Yes. Uh, one more. The, the Rally Monkey. The coolest but stupidest fucking thing <laughs> ever. I agree. So stupid. I agree. I agree. I, you know, you almost got to think it worked. I mean, look at that game six. They break out the rally monkeys, and lo and behold. Oh, God. That should have been another one. Game six. There you go. Game six, Kurt. Had turning point. I'd say phenomenal. Phenomenal, yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, let's do phenomenal. one more. Let's do one more here. So, guys, check out our girl, our favorite our uh, biggest supporter, save her best for last all the time. Check out Nana's Aromas LLC. 
Check them out on Facebook. Check her out at nanasaromas.com on the web. She's located in beautiful Palmyra, Indiana. She's got a store there located at 845 Church Street. Beautiful Harrison County, Indiana. Not far. She will ship all over the U.S. Uh, Please call her for those that are local and thinking about going up to her shop. Please call her in advance to schedule an appointment for her store due to COVID-19. COVID's a... An issue that Nana takes pretty serious. We've mentioned it before. We won't mention it again why, but she takes COVID very seriously. Uh, Every candle is custom made by her from start to finish. Even the labeling, she does not outsource absolutely nothing. Um, She does more than just candles, though, guys. She has air fresheners. She has melts, uh, warmers, the works. And my favorite part of this, and I always feel included, obliged to include it she makes every can every batch is made in small quantities of 10 candles or less for the simple fact of she can better qc them that's why these candles are uh as good as they are she sent me and kurt a free candle blueberry cream cheese cake good god i know that's what i told curse uh, but anyways, guys, give Nana a call, please, at 812-972-3670. Again, that's 812-972-3670. Uh, message her on Facebook or uh, check her out on the web. And again, uh, the affordable candles. Um, you won't, you quality. won't be disappointed. You will you not be disappointed. be disappointed. Absolutely not. So that's our shout-out to our girl. We love you, Nana. Yes. Okay, so time to put a bow on this. And to put a bow on this, I would like to thank my sources for this episode, including the ones we haven't mentioned already. They include Baseball Referencing, uh, The Daily Advocate, Baseball Fandom, Wikipedia, Major League Baseball, ESPN, YouTube, Reddit, The Baseball Almanac, The Bleacher Report, Orange County Register, MLB Network, LA Times, New York Post, USA Today, Washington Post, and the Angels and Giants' own personal.com websites. Right on. So, that is the 2002 World Series, bro. Uh, I want to thank you for making them notes. Yeah, now you can. I I killed uh, 37 trees for that. I appreciate what you did there. I mean, uh, I think it kind of maybe helped the show along a little bit. It, it might be. Might be. We'll see. But I, I mean, it gives you a break, so you don't have to do all the talking. That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah. So, what are we going to do next week? I don't know. I got my list right here, though. Uh, you do? Yes. I've got my list. You have a copy of the list now. Yes. Yes. So, I, I have. Oh, we need to tell the listener too. We're coming out with a new intro. Yes. This COVID, this COVID shit gets. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) The sickness is around. My goal is to, for the first time in over a month, the first time in over a month. uh, I think actually, actually, I want to check something. I'm going to. let me go check our steel toes and scoreboards right here. Um, well, I, I just wanted to mention it because we mentioned it a couple of Yeah, it will be. Um, so, the last time Kurt and I were together, um, the last time Kurt and I were together, 
and not remote recorded was December, I think, when we did hot takes and sausages. <laughs> yeah, I think or maybe did. that was remote too. I can't remember. Um, Kurt and I have not been together since either November. November twelfth was Jack and Arnie. We did that one, and okay, no, December fifth was the last time you and I were together. Yeah. The these yeah, last two episodes right. have been remote recorded. Well, plus right. this one. So, my goal is the next one we are going to be together and do our show opening. Right. Uh, but then, of course, now here here will come the fucking snow and ice. So yeah, probably. Okay. So okay, but here here here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I got the so I have the list in my pocket, but I wrote out on a post-it note. I already had ideas coming into this one. Okay, okay, yeah. So I'm gonna give. I'm gonna let you pick the episode. Okay. And uh, you can look at your list, but I've already got it mapped out, and I'm gonna give you six options. Okay. So we can either do a look back at Shaq's career. We okay. can do the Bulls' first championship with Jordan and the boys. We okay. can do a look, a look back at Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz's UFC rivalry. Ooh. We can look at, of course, the Islers winning four straight cups. We can look back at the life and career of Dale Earnhardt. Or we can cover the 1985 Chicago Bears. Okay, there's two of them I didn't get. There's I two. got them on the list, but I ain't look. Write them down as you give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. So the life need, and the 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 I, career view of Shaq. After Liddell Ortiz. The life and times of Dale Earnhardt. Okay. The 1985 Chicago Bears. Okay. Or the Islanders win four straight Stanley Cups. Little puck talk. Little yeah. puck talk. So you got those three, plus you got Liddell versus Ortiz, the UFC rivalry, Jordan and the Bulls' first championship, or the career of Shaq. The one that's really sticking out to me, and being this playoff time, is the 85 Bears. All right, fuck it, bet. I, I, don't, I don't know why, but that's jumping out at me for some reason. I mean, I like, I like the Liddell-Ortiz. That'll be a good show. Uh, Dale Earnhardt, definitely. They all be good shows, but for some reason the Bears are jumping out at me. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll look back at the 1985 Bears. We'll break down the entire season game by game, and uh, culminating with their Super Bowl victory. Uh, one of my favorite running backs ever, Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Love the way he ran the football. Mike Singletary, man, what a hell of a linebacker. Oh. Oh, Didn't yeah. pan out as a coach or an executive, but no. man, what a as a fucking yeah. player. Intense. Holy shit. The Monsters of the Midway. I like the Monsters of the Midway. I, I'm not a Bears fan, but I, they're all right. Yeah. They're all right. Okay. the big Bears fan. So here's the, here's the chance, too, as we're tying this up, uh, for uh, Kurt's Corner. So Kurt's Corner is a new segment we're going to start debuting. Kind of similar to the Hot Cake or the hot takes and sausage but it's kurt's corner it's mainly kurt and that's where kurt has an open forum he can uh say whatever's on his mind about anything sports related steel toes related just it just gives kurt a couple minutes to just uh clear the air on anything he's thinking about or wants to say 
can be something positive, can be something negative. Uh, it can be a let's go Brandon thing, or it can be a I love to go fishing, or uh, you know whatever. It's it's Kurt's corner. That's Kurt's time for uh, Kurt to be the star of the show. I don't know how much that's kind of a scary thing, but that's way scary. <laughs> but, uh, I promised him, and, and he was all excited when we talked about it a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you got anything for the first edition of Kurt's Corner? Well, you know, ironically, I don't because I didn't really didn't think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's something I probably need to think about before I go on there and say anything. Whoa! All yeah. right, Kurt's Corner. So. There's nothing in Kurt's corner today. No, no, I don't guess so. If anything, let's get rid of this pandemic. Gosh, I'm tired of it. Good night. And yet, you were on your deathbed and you didn't have COVID. Yeah. I was on my deathbed and I did have it. I do have it. It's crazy. It's crazy how quick it hits you, too. Like, I I felt fine. I I felt fine that morning, that night. It, it came, I guess it came in the night before. My body started feeling weak and I hurt, and I thought, well, I'm, it's just, you know, it's cold, it's arthritis, plus I'm fat. So I thought maybe it was just fat, old, and cold pains. And then that next morning, you I went to work. Oh, man. Tell that to my joints. Uh, ironically, if I had a joint, I probably wouldn't have any pains in my joints, you know? I'm, never, I'm, not, a, I'm not a toker, man, but I'm very pro. Uh, cannabis i mean like i've said before it it uh dude there there's no reason this should be illegal it's all about control it's 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 an overreach i'm not saying Mm -hmm. i'd smoke it even if it becomes legal i don't even know if i'd still fuck with it but at the same time there's no reason this stuff should be illegal the benefits uh, to this is i had a good friend of mine kurt that uh dealt with severe bouts of depression and had terrible cases ibs i mean he was having he had diarrhea you know five six days a week multiple times a day and then uh he moved out to california for a while started smoking some that sticky icky and his ibs went away within like six months don't even have it anymore never went to a doctor once for it just started smoking weed and it went away that's amazing i mean i think the benefits outweigh the negatives oh god yes i mean not only for the you know the person but actually if they legalize it i mean look at the revenue millions of dollars this country wouldn't have no debt millions of dollars yes i'll tell you where how many potheads are out there oh (laughs) Uh, several (laughs) all right bro so that wraps it up the 2002 world series what a series what a fall classic yes absolutely I'm I'm down to watch it again. I might watch it again here for too long. I watched the uh, the yearly film that the MLB puts out about the team that wins it. I watched it the other week. It was about an hour long documentary on YouTube. It was impressive. So right, little little right, football man. talk, man. Yeah, let's do it. Eighty five Chicago Bears. Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> Hey, I know, do you I think do you think that with the Bengals winning last night, do you think old Corey was doing the icky shuffle? I'm sure he was. <laughs> he, you know, he told me the other day at work that he was not going to be able to watch the game. He had a daughter, I think, that had a play or something. Oh, man. You know he DVR'd and he it. Miss, and he was going to miss the game. 
uh, live anyway. But shout out to the Bengals. Shout out to the Bengals. Yeah. Congratulations. All right, bro. Well, yep. Um, I'll see you Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on when I get released from this quarantine hell. So, well, just uh, take care of yourself, get some rest, dude. Yeah. I again, I want to thank you for. Uh, I texted Kurt, or I called Kurt Thursday night, freaking out. I was feeling a little better. I'm like, man, my area probably looks like shit. And uh, nah, we got you. Bro. My good friend took care of all my stuff for me, and I appreciate that. Hey, no worries, dude. No worries. All right, bro. Well. All right. Yeah. So for uh, Kirk Kelly, I am Jared Atkins, and uh, we will catch you guys next week. See you, brother. See you later. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards, and uh, we'll see you soon.